The following is a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S.com. Ladies and gentlemen, most likely gentlemen, you are about to listen to the podcast of terror. This podcast is terrorable. That's terrorable, not terrible. It's actually a great podcast, but it is terrorable. It is full of terror. It's discussing movies that are full of horror and terror, and that means there are probably going to be adult themes, and there's going to be adult words, you know, curse words, bad words. Uh, There's going to be references to potty humor based on the hosts, Matt and Corey, who I love. So if adult themes, adult words, and potty humor are not your thing, or if spoilers for terrorable movies are not your thing, then this terrible podcast is not for you. Listen to something else, maybe 90s percentile, the worst episode ever, a Simpsons podcast. But if you do like terror, you love things full of terror, you love terror, then this terrible podcast is for you. Podcast of Terror coming up right now. Matt, have you ever had phone sex? <laughs> all, all, all the time, actually. It's my favorite form of sex next to dry, dry sex. I mean, it, it doesn't get much drier than, than casual conversation. So in my day, phone sex was a very different thing because when, when you get on there, the first thing somebody would usually ask you is, what are you wearing? Yes. And, and you, could, you could lie. You could say whatever the fuck you wanted because it could be, I'm wearing Z Cavaricis and a members-only jacket because I'm cool. Uh, and I just was done shopping the chesking. But that is, unfortunately, nowadays, it's like I'm wearing acid-washed jeans and a striper T-shirt. And people are going to see it because of social media and, and, and when you tinned and when you grind or whatever. And, and I think it's important to put your best look forward. That's very true. But you also have to keep in mind that the striper shirt might be in now. I mean, you it's, go to Kohl's, it's you buy yourself wash. a striper shirt. Oh, it's in the wash, though. You shoot, prove such a valid I, point. Now, I, I had it on for five days straight, man. Now, my question is. Do you know of a place in which I can purchase new clothing at a potentially discounted rate for listening to this podcast? Not just new clothing, but hot clothing. I'm talking about the real tight shit. I'm talking about stuff that's going to make your nipples feel fierce. Your nipples are going to pop? Wait, you're talking They're about gonna... my nipples are going to pop? What? I mean, not as much pop. I know yours are inverted. But it, they will feel safe and, and protected. And, and those places, uh, should you care to go to them, are thehate.com, that's www.thehvii.com, and our other buddies over at Statusphere Merch. Now, both of these are friends of the shows, and that's why we advertise them, but also it's because they've got great stuff. They do. They got some fly-ass gear. They also got spring spring and summer lines coming. They're going to keep you fresh looking all fucking, all fucking year. It is the right time to shop. So if you happen to go looking for some new clothes, go to thehate.com, use our code HBG15, get 15% off your order there. And if you're also interested, check out statusphere.merch.com, use a code TEAR, get 15% off there as well. Episode 85 of the Podcast of Terror, a production of the Galactic Network. I'm your host, Matt Stein. With me, as always, is Corey Schmeckel-Scott. Corey, how are you? Uh, I'm circumcised. Circumcised, that a boy. You're, you're a man. You turned 14 yesterday, and they cut your dick tip off. 
It's it's true. I, I wish I had gotten all the cash that usually comes associated with that, but that's white boy guilt. It happens. Uh, if you're wondering what odd sound you heard right at the beginning of that episode, that is uh, that's our guest this week. Uh, it's the man behind picturesforstories.com. Ben, I might butcher your last name. I'm sorry. Is it Granoff? Granoff? Gr- yeah, it's Granoff. Yeah, that's it. It's exactly it's how it's spelt. That's really yeah, yeah. I like how you said it's. I might butcher this. I'm going to repeat it twice the same way and no, act like no. I changed the inflection on the A. You fuck. You we got both kinds. We do. Switch both kinds. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. So, uh, A, thanks for coming. B, why don't you tell the six people listening to this what uh, you know what what your website's about? And what do you call them? Do you call them the, the terrorists? The uh, Pot- potheads. Oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Um, hey guys, I'm uh, I'm Ben Granoff, and I'm a cartoonist and educator. And uh, if you've got stories that need pictures, I sure as shit can draw them. And uh, I've done that for advertising and publishing and film and gaming and you know, death metal and you know whoever the hell else hey, needs a, needs a picture. I know death metal. Yeah, right. I'm good at that. Um, and so that's what I do. And I think uh, most relevant to the show, I have uh, adapted some work by H.P. Lovecraft uh, into comics. And you can read them for free on my website. It's www.picturesforstories.com. There will be a link in the show notes, too. And I, I wanted to give you props just right away because you have a Fantastic Four picture that you did. Oh, and yeah. you actually have uh, Franklin in his Power Pack outfit. That made yeah, me yeah. very happy. <laughs> yeah, I... Um, oh, man. I just, like, me and comics, like, we shouldn't get started on comics because I'll just... Ugh. I'll just if keep you guys want to talk about, about comics, I can just mute my mic and go in the other room. Corey, just text me when you're done. <laughs> That's how we do half of the shows anyways. Yeah, Matt. far be it for me to ever stop a guest from talking about something they want. So I've done it to Corey multiple times, generally drunk. So it's probably about time you do it to me. So if you want, we can just make this a comic book episode. I can just go. Maybe, isn't there a galactic nutcast uh, like sci-fi show? There's a sci-fi show. There's Else Nerds, uh, which is a show that I'm I'm on as well that does do a lot of the comic stuff. And Matt, you hate you hate Doctor Who, right? I strongly oh, despise Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, all right. So then you know we're brothers. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Fuck so Doctor Who. It's oh god, I think it's so dumb. But like I used to do the the sci-fi radio or sci-fi geeks club, uh, just because Dave and I go way way back, and uh, he just kept wanting me to do these shows, and I was like, I fucking do not get into this at all. So I would just drink and then make <laughs> obscene comments. Yeah, and then like finally, someone's like, you guys should do a, a horror movie podcast. And Dave's like, go do that with this Corey guy that you've never met before. It'll be great. That Here. someone was me, actually. I, I suggested myself. Yep. Hey, uh, Dave, uh, Matt and I should do a horror podcast together. He's yeah. like, oh, that'd be great. And two, Here, here too we bad. are almost two years later. Total total lack of foresight in Dave's part. Yep, yep, yep. History for the rest of us. Exactly. I love it. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, thanks for coming. I don't want to sit and talk about the history of Corey and I. That'll be a different show. But no, it's good. good. Talk about our friendship. Yeah. Um, oh, also, if you, if you, I mean, obviously, if you listen to our podcast, you've heard Jack and Dan before. We stole Ben from Jack and Dan. So, yeah. well, another poached guest. Yeah. There's a couple. Well, from my perspective, I'm just trying to be America's podcast guest. So. I just you know that the, the ego needs to it needs to you know everything needs to bloviate. Absolutely. Nice that you said so, America's podcast guest, so you're nationalist. That's hurtful. Yeah, well, you know, 
I uh, I need to I need to hurt people. Yeah. Right, so if you host a podcast, you need a guest, and you feel like stealing them, Ben's your guy. Is that like the, yeah. the always a bridesmaid, never a bride, always a guest, never a host? You know, I have a I have a podcast uh, concept that I want to do with my with my dad, uh, nice. where where um, uh, he talks about history and I talk about pop culture. Um, and he's a really smart guy, and I'm I'm really like dull witted. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it would be a good a good way to uh, just you know, a good a good thing to do. It's actually kind of a really cool idea. Now, before awesome. we started recording, you mentioned that you moved to New York. So where are you originally from? So I spent the first 18 years of my life in suburban Boston. And uh, for the last 14 years, I've been in New York. And uh, Jack was my was my freshman roommate. Sorry to hear that. I accept your apology. Do you, you ever walk in on Jack just going to town? Just was there ever once when you came back a, a, a sock on the doorknob, or was it always just wide open with shame? No, Jack's not getting laid 14 years ago. I was going to say, how much trim did Jack not pull down in college? <laughs> I think uh, I think he did all right uh, after after we lived together, but I I can't. I think we were just like both really depressed that year. Uh, I never could pick a depressed person. Yeah, yeah, that was that was like the well, I don't want to say the start. That was the start of me knowing Jack as. Uh, Anyway, he's probably listening to this. He Jack, you're is. the best. Yeah, Jack, yeah. you are you are not depressed at all. <laughs> we love you, Jack. <laughs> we totally I'll, do. I'll continue Absolutely. to offer you hugs. I think I talk to Jack the most when I'm drinking. Because I'm I like it really drunk. I'm like, oh what Jack's doing. Let's see what Jack's up to. Yeah, you're you're a drinker, so that's good. I I'm a talker. The more I drink, the more I talk. Yeah. So. Matt, did you bring us a drink this week? I did. Let me get. Let me what read this next thing, and then we'll do the uh, what we're drinking, since everyone's drinking something different. Uh, for more on this podcast, including show notes, contact information, subscription links, go to gncast.com slash pot. You can chat with us on our Slack channel during our shows at gncast.com slash sign up. Well, there's subscribe to the newsletter as well. I forgot. I thought I missed a word there. Um, so this new thing that we started doing, what, what are you drinking? Corey, I'm going to just go ahead and guess you're drinking Lipton iced tea. I, I have some set aside but i am drinking mountain dew in a glass bottle with real sugar because i'm gonna, from michigan because you're gonna shoot noobs later in call of duty and talk about fucking someone's mom i'm just gonna bury my balls in someone's face in halo it's good yeah. ben what are you drinking i have espresso are you gonna, you're in New York. Cup. You gonna i'm on upper tonight? uppers tonight uh you know i was we were at a wedding last night and um I, I I went I went hard, and uh, oh today was today was a, a, a rough day. Um, so you know whatever. Like my my day job is is like play. I have I have like my favorite job ever. So um, getting up and getting there is not not too tough for me. So I'm not really that worried about being there even on low sleep. And I slept all day today. So oh boy, it's all good. I like my spirit animal. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm drinking. It's called the Duke of Normington. Uh, it's from a brewery called Distill. It's pretty good. Someone gave it to me. They're like, ah, this doesn't sound good. You can have it. So free beer is best beer. They didn't like the Duke? Apparently not. Bastards. Yeah, it's from the Dominican. So maybe he's got something against the motherland. Does this does this tiny cup make uh, my hands look huge? Or is it kind of the opposite? It, or does this make like... my hands look huge? <laughs> they huge. Yeah, I was gonna say, is, 
Is the cup size for the president? Does it say "Make America Great" on there? Because it looks it is red, yeah. small. I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of uh, President Chocolate Cake, and um, this is my uh, my mug for him. Oh boy! So I saw you pick the mug up before, and like out of the corner of my eye, I was like, "What the fuck is wrong with his hands?" <laughs> <laughs> I guess they're huge. They're huge. <laughs> I'm swollen from drawing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, drawing. That's it. That's yeah. It. Are you are you drawing while you're doing this? Not that I care. I just, um, that's impressive if you are. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm doodling. I have I have some notes on uh, on the movie, mm. but I have all my like I have all my drawings like sitting here. So I might get up. I'm doing this is a, a show flyer I'm working on, and let's see. I got this thing here. I mean, you don't read, right? So what's the? I mean, oh, you know, I like got this too. fucking thing right here. Some pictures there. Ooh, Cerebus or Cerebus? Like Cerebus, yeah, Cerebus is the best man. Huh. So. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Yeah, that that's what we should get Matt started on, who doesn't like to read. We should get oh, him yeah, started right. reading Cerebus <laughs> and the 30 phone book size collections of it. Yeah. A book that, uh, a, a great book that occasionally makes no sense. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> All right. I've been trying to yeah. listen to a book on tape, but uh, I haven't been driving back and forth to Milwaukee as much lately, so no, no time. Yeah. Since my commute to work is like four minutes right now. I can't really do that shit, but fuck Not it. Not bad. Let's uh fuck it, man. Let's, let's do it live. Uh, let's do some news here real quick. If you're uh, new to the show, <laughs> this is probably not a good one, but it'll be an interesting episode. Probably just not a good. I'm gonna stop talking. Uh, we're gonna just talk about news. Going, yeah. We're gonna talk about the movie after that. Um, the movie being Brazil, which is confusing. Brazil. I watched it before I had enough coffee and. It was just a, a, a roller coaster of emotions. Um, the first, yeah. Thank you for the last week. I've had pink martinis stuck in my head, singing Brazil the whole time. So it's it. Thanks for You're that. Welcome. You're so welcome. I, honestly, I, I really like pink martinis, so I'm probably going to start putting them on my playlist again. But it's been rough waking up every morning, and that's been stuck in my head. I'm not even going to tell you guys what I listen to. I'm I am uh, heavily committed. To one band, fish, and um, and I'm not gonna. I, I'm gonna say no more. I'm gonna say no more. I can't. You, you gotta. T- is it One Direction? Nope. That's it. No. Yeah. It's One Direction. That's a fucking. <laughs> you gotta tell me. No way. Never. Why not? I'm trying to. I'm trying to do show flyers for death metal bands here. I'm not telling you that I like the dead. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> all right. Dude, there's nothing wrong I, with that. I guess we're done here. <laughs> there's not. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. I've I've seen City and <coughs> Color multiple times, but I play drums in a metal band. You yeah, know, I don't know what that means, but oh, okay, you don't listen. Like I said, heavily committed to one band. <laughs> uh, you don't pay any attention to music at all, other than your no, band. you know, I'm such a comic book person that like uh, comics and film is like my music. Fair enough. And and so when I'm when I'm drawing, you know, the soundtrack that I put on is to bolster the mood. So. When I'm when I'm drawing comics, I'll listen to a lot of uh, stoner metal Ooh. and doom metal. Mm-hmm. So, so, so like I'm not like that, like committed to one band. But like you know, I like Sleep and Electric Wizard and Earth. And if you didn't stuff say like Sleep, I would have been really surprised. Check out uh, there's a band called Bereft. My buddy's the drummer. They're from Madison. Okay. Um, they actually probably were just in New York like two weeks ago. Oh damn! But um, yeah, yeah, they're uh, they're from Madison, Wisconsin. And they just put a new record on prosthetic. It's pretty good. Cool. Yeah, I'm not big into Doom, but they're dudes a friend of mine, so I gotta like them. Nice, dude. Um, 
So you good don't times. only invest yourself in one band. You well, know. I <laughs> I just like to I just like to embarrass myself by saying that I no, do. I totally I I get I get what you're doing. I just I'm art. Like, yeah, it's a good bit. The way you are with art and comics and shit is the way I am with music. So it's yeah, like someone's like, oh, I, you know, I heard this band. I'm like, well, if you like this band, you should check out this band, this band, this band, and this band. Mm-hmm. It always it always blows my mind when when people like this is like the hipster syndrome where like they know everything about everything or is it that they just know like they like know like the first paragraph of Wikipedia yep. about everything. Um, I just like you know I described myself earlier as like kind of dull witted like I'm a smart guy but like I'm not like let's, let's not get like out of hand here like I'm like you know. Like comic books, dead. Like that's it. Eh, I I don't know if I can hold my own. We're gonna find out. <laughs> well, I mean, well, if you're not, I, sure I'm I'm a dull-witted person. Yeah, <laughs> you've come to the right podcast because Good, a, yeah. I have a real hard time staying on track. You've listened to our show. You definitely know, and um, I like just a lighthearted approach. Like I really like horror movies, and I like watching a lot of movies, but I don't like investing too much time in it because there's there's other things I can do with my day, like not fucking reading. <laughs> you know I mean? we, we, we could read we could not read yeah i could read or not read, read for hours yeah <laughs> a lot of cartoons to watch in this life um yeah. let's do some fucking news because this this first <laughs> story i'm really really excited about um the friday the 13th game finally has announced its release date uh if you are a fan of this podcast or that movie or that game and you don't already know this get your shit straight kids uh, yeah, I saw the video today of uh, of some. I guess it was gameplay. I'm not sure. I don't know anything about video games, but it looks awesome. Um, I'm not. I haven't watched the video. I've been waiting for this game for so fucking long. And naturally, the day that they release it is the day that I close on our new house, their current house, and move. So I'll get to play it like uh, sometime around mid June. Yeah, but you did get to play the the beta, right? I did. I I called in sick to work to stay home and play the beta. <laughs> yeah, I am a, I'm a great employee. Um, yeah, the beta was fun, so I'm really looking forward to it, but it's not the end of the world. I think my wife would rather move than me stay home and play Friday the 13th. Do you play as Jason? You uh, play in the, as... In the uh, game? So it's it's seven versus one. There's seven counselors and one Jason, and you just kind of queue up, and then you're either randomly a counselor or Jason. Oh! So there was a game called Dead by Daylight, which was a similar concept. It was like four versus one, and you would just say, like, I'm going to be the killer. And then it would take for fucking ever to play a game. This one is just you go into a lobby of eight people and one person is randomly picked as Jason. Hmm. That sounds cool. It is pretty cool. And then Are there, and then there, you team speak with each other, essentially. You you sit there, and if you're in the group that is the, the counselors, mm-hmm. you all can actually talk to each other um, to try to like have a back and forth. But you have to find items, right? Yep. You have to find the walkie-talkies to be able to do it. Well, there's... Um, so it's or proximity, be local to each other. Oh, that's cool. chat, and then... <laughs> There's like two or three broken cars, at least the beta was. So you have to find like a car battery in the car keys to drive the car away. Or you have to call and f- you have to fix the phone to call the police. Or you have to find the walkie talkie to call. You- Are you a big Jason Friday the 13th fan? Are you talking to me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm talking to you. I've actually, I've, uh, no, I'm a, I'm a, a Nightmare on Elm Street fan. Fair enough. I don't, th- I don't think I've ever seen, I think the only, uh, Jason Flick I've ever seen is versus Freddy. Oh, that's a, that's I saw it like three times in the theater, so there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, now if you have cable, uh, I think Stars has been playing all of the Friday the Thirteenth movies this month. Uh, Are there, which, which ones week. can I skip? Uh, yeah. All of them, probably. Oh, yeah. 
right. that I've already done my job. But certainly watch the first four. Uh-huh. Uh, the first one because it's the original. The second one because it actually introduces Jason, really. Uh, the third because it's 3D and you just have to get through it. But the fourth one is the one that has Corey Feldman in it. Oh. And uh, he, he shaves his head and turns into a little mini Jason. Uh, oh, dog, I like it. But the, get through those. There's one later on that has a psychic that fights him. There's the one in, in Manhattan, which is just pure dumb shit. Right, that's right. That's what I've heard. It, it, it's not like they get better, but the game yeah. is exactly what you want out of a Friday the 13th game. Sure. It, it's ex- it, they also introduce Tom Savini did a redesign of Jason. And gave him an exclusive weapon, and it looks really fucking crazy cool. cool. Like nothing at all like what you'd expect from all the Friday the Thirteenth stuff that's happened already. Uh, certainly not even Jason X with the one where he's in space, which is probably my favorite of them. <laughs> yeah, didn't you guys? <laughs> yep. Uh, I, we did. With Jack did that and Dan. one. Yeah. With Jack and Dan. Yeah, I listened to that one. Yeah. yeah, like slashers. Like it's funny. I'll be like, slashers aren't my thing, but like you know, I like the first two Halloweens, and I love. Uh, Texas Chainsaw, um, and I guess I guess uh, Freddy's a slasher dude, right? Yeah, but yeah, he's a slasher with a supernatural bent. Yeah. yeah. Well, what I what I like about um, those films, I think it's like more the promise of it, where structurally, like as each sequel comes out, they kind of lay out more of the backstory and the mythology and the supernatural. Um, and I kind of wish that it was just like a like a fan edit of like all the movies where you could just get like the meat of of the of the saga you know what i mean yes and i definitely yeah. agree with that because a lot of the the middle to end uh of all slasher series get a little out of control with stupid yeah like uh nightmare on elm street one is very very good two is a waste of time three four five are good but i feel like they freddie became like a characterization of himself and it became more of like a comedy than an actual horror movie. Right. Right. Well, that's, that's what happened to Chucky. Mm-hmm. I, I, as I understand it. So my, my history with horror is that when I saw the, uh, that child's play Two poster, like in 1991 in the theater, I was like mesmerized by it because it's so like well rendered and, and lit. Like it, it looks like it's jumping off of that photo and it terrified me. Um, so for a long time as a kid, I couldn't go anywhere near, uh, near horror stuff, uh, especially that franchise. And when I tell people about Chucky and how how traumatized it left me, they go, "But it's so funny." And like when I was when I was uh, in like seven, like there was nothing funny about the way I felt about that character. Yeah, yeah, the Chucky doll is terrifying, especially if you're a kid because it's a child's toy that comes to life and right. kills people. Good for them. And you, as as a as a child, you're so helpless. You're roughly the same size as the doll. He can actually physically overpower you. Plus the fact that he can sneak up on adults, and adults don't want to listen to kids, <laughs> anyways. Never. So it's it's just like you're having this nightmare where there's an actual monster in your closet, and nobody believes you. And and that I think itself is, especially when you're around that age, is even more terrifying. I think what always threw me off is that like. What the fuck is like a seven-year-old boy doing with a doll of a four-year-old boy? Like what? Like, like that well, product existed, right? Like, there's like it was the my buddy doll. My yeah, buddy, the my buddy doll like, was exactly the, that. Like, what the fuck? Like, like okay, kid, you can have Snake Mountain or my buddy. Oh shit, I know what I want. 
Like, <laughs> what? Because there are parents who are not going to give your kids Snake Mountain. I guess so. <sighs> but they, they figure, uh, you Bad know, Johnny parents. doesn't have a lot of friends. We need to get, we need to give Johnny a oh, friend. God. And and it's it's no different than a regular stuffed animal, except for the fact that it looks more human. It's a, it's a boy. <laughs> yeah, and, and they had the, the <clears throat> kid sister doll or big sister that was the the female spinoff of it which well, that I think would make more sense because it's a doll yeah but the my buddy came first it was my buddy was the original because it was a doll for boys but he was like he was a sports guy you know you would hang out with him and like to a little kid it might have been guy. <laughs> that was the thing you'd play ball you have a little baseball cap and stuff and that's what it was supposed to be it was and that came out before child's play that's that's the literal yeah. That's the genesis point of Chucky. Yep. God damn it. Yeah, my, my best friend's little brother had one, and it was it was terrifying to have in the house. <laughs> How pissed would you be if I just mail you a, a Chucky doll? No, dude, I had my own nightmare. Oh, I'm talking to kid. Ben, not you. Oh, yeah. Um, so I used, to, uh, I, I used to be a comics retailer, and um, we, had, we would have Chucky stuff all the time and i would just like i'd like be standing there doing whatever and like look to my right and there's the fucking doll and i would just like turn it on the shelf be like don't please don't look at me <laughs> don't honestly man like it would just be it would just be a waste of money because i, I couldn't stand to have it in my house oh yeah it was a complete joke because i'd have yeah, to get your address not, from somewhere it, and it'd be a it's, thing. it's it's not even that it scares me it's just like i find uh, especially once they like, you know, they shaved his head and gave him all the scars and stuff. And that's the that's the style guy that they merchandise on, uh, right? So like, you can't get like a regular Chucky. It's all like Cedar Chucky stuff. Can I just think you? Yeah. Like they don't make new ones, so you're gonna pay like a premium if you want the original one. Oh, I'm I'm gonna pay no matter what. I have a feeling. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I see I, I miniature versions of Chucky and Tiffany dolls that were actually they were probably part of the Living Dead doll series uh, that was out for a little while in the nineties. There's um, a Child's Play Chucky twelve inch doll. So with that good guy's packaging, seven hundred dollars on eBay right now. The good value, it's good. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> the talking Chucky fifteen inch, uh, not pissed off looking one, the innocent face is one twenty five. That. Uh, Chucky is um, it's Brad Dorif. Dorif. Yep. Is that the name of the way? So I only yep. know him from uh, uh, from Dune. You know Dune. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dune Lynch. He plays uh, Mentat Peter Devries, the human computer of the Harkonnens, and he's a total badass with owl hair and bushy eyebrows and shit. He also <clears> plays <throat> a little toady guy in the Lord of the Rings. Uh, in is the he, Two Towers. Wormtongue? Is he the, the guy who, uh, who poisons who's, who's, the king? Yeah, poison the mind of the king, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that was him. That's cool. Yeah, Dorf has been in a ton of shit. Uh, he's somebody that seems to pop up in so many different things. He's kind of like uh, Jeffrey Combs, who, who yeah, just... Reanimator, like, right? Reanimator, but yeah. then just like everything else you can think of that guy's in. Um, but that... that uh, the, the Chucky side, the, the Jason... The Jason game, 
I'm not a big gamer either, but this looks like a lot of fun to play. I, I like the team play aspect of it probably more than playing Jason himself, although there is something kind of cool about being a guy who just walks around and kills people in a game. That's true. And, um, uh, hopefully already, somebody's already done a mask of the Savini version of Jason as well. They've doesn't surprise me. I'm and sure they'll, they'll 3D print the, the uh, Trident too. What were you going to say, Ben? Did Savini... He his only involvement is his redesign on the game, or did he work on the he worked on the film franchise too, right? Yeah, somewhere in there. All right. And they got Kane Hodder involved in this too, uh, who is for most of us the most iconic Jason. Yeah. Who's the other guy? It's like uh, the the Norwegian dude or some shit. Cully uh, Hammer, Hammer Strong. I don't. don't Hammer Strong. Uh, Cully yeah. Hammer is the artist for Blue yeah. Beetle. Right, he's a cartoonist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good name. All right, well, I, I uh, some heinous shit, but I don't know that he's doing this. I feel like I successfully derailed that topic. Oh no, it's it's now I'm looking up to see who fucking played Jason. The, the Cully Hammer. Let's see. Well, he's not in the first one. Someone want to kick my dog for me? <laughs> they also have uh, Tom Matthews playing Tommy Jarvis in the game. Yes. I, I just, I really, uh, we had the guy who, who was in charge of this game on the show before, and it is such an impressive piece of work. It is really just one of those things that as a as a horror fan in general, or a horror super fan, or a, a Friday the 13th fan, it's just one of those things you've got to love, you have the opportunity to support this, because it's so amazing how much that they put into it. Is it Steve Daskowitz? Is that who I'm thinking of? No, I might be thinking of another Richard Brooker, another slasher of the Norwegian Brookers. You know, a guy, another guy who doesn't speak and just hulks and demolishes uh, teenagers from the eighties. Uh, who played? Uh, who played Leatherface? What's that guy's name? Uh, fuck, I don't want to have to look this up. Don't look <laughs> it up. I know that the uh, he's got the, Gunner Hansen. That's what I'm thinking of. Okay. Gunner Hansen. Okay. Yeah, Cully Hammer Strong, Gunner Hansen. It's you know, same thing, <laughs> same same idea, uh, same idea. Right. Right. Now, now Gunner Nelson from Nelson and one of the Hansen kids got together and <laughs> now we can now we can move on to the next story. Real quick though, um, like Corey mentioned, uh, Randy Greenback has been on before, and uh, I'm trying to get him to come back on right before the game comes out. So him nice. and Melissa from Horror Geek Life come back and we'll talk about screech porn for like another yeah. 45 minutes. <laughs> I forgot about that. Randy did not. He's the one that reminded me. But, He's um, great. He was a great, just like out of nowhere guest. Just, yeah, I agree. Hey, hey, Randy might be on. Okay. Yeah. Nice Screech guy. porn springs eternal. Uh, when he lies on his back, he does. Yeah. Think about Lisa Tuttle. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, Corey, you got to talk about the next story because I've never uh, heard of this lock and key that you speak of. What uh yeah. <laughs> Told you I'm so, shitty at I'm shitty at things. Lock and Key, which was a comic series from IDW, uh created by Stephen King's son Joe Hill. Joe Hill. Uh has been trying to make it as a TV series for a few years, had a few attempts that for some reason or another hasn't really worked out. Now Hulu seems to finally be getting the show to the air. They've yeah. ordered the pilot. Uh, so it is very possible that this may actually happen as Hulu is trying to match Netflix for original content. This could be the the final straw in this that make it happen. Yeah, wasn't there? A, isn't there a, a never to be seen pilot that Fox 
put together many years ago. There's a, I know I, there's a trailer for it. Yeah, I believe so. And that's probably one of those things that we'll be buying on bootleg DVDs yeah. at Comic Cons at some point, much nice. like we used to buy the uh, Star Wars Christmas special or the Justice League of America pilot from uh, the 90s. Yeah. Um, but, Matt, so you are a fan of the comics. I've read some of the comics and, and bought a few of them and, yeah. and wanted to wait till it was all done to finally get to read it. And I haven't gotten back to it yet. So tell us a little bit about it. Because what, what I remember being most impressed with it was honestly the art style to me yeah. stood out yeah the art is by a fellow from south america whose name escapes me uh gabriel rodriguez i think and yeah. lock and key it's a it's like a 30 issue six volume soft cover story i haven't given it my pitch in a long time from when i was selling comics but i think it goes something like this that um uh, a family suffers a, a severe traumatic uh violent home invasion they move back to the old homestead in lovecraft massachusetts and the sweet little six-year-old starts finding uh these weird creepy keys in the gothic uh, mansion that they're living in and wouldn't you know it that uh, each of the keys unlocks a door within the house and whenever a child and only a child passes through those doors they gain a different supernatural power and the book is about what is that about? Um, how did it come to be? And it adds some really like legitimately cool uh, Lovecraftian folds um, into you know that that mythos uh, 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 lore. Um, it's got some transdimensional supernatural stuff, but it's also got a lot of uh, teenage drama, and um, it's a it, it's a it's good kind book. of like a horrific. Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe kind of yeah, thing. Totally. Journey of Chronicles. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it really is. And the powers that they gain are things like you can uh, control shadow monsters or become a giant or become a ghost or control time. I think the coolest one is like you, they screw open people's heads and uh, you can see into the psyche of the people. It's, you know, like all the things that matter to them. And you can either remove... Uh, elements of that psyche or put things in so there's one part where the daughter has like um a lot like she's like just crippled by her fear because she's seen her father murdered and by her guilt and so they remove the guilt and the fear and it uh and it changes her but then you know these like little monsters are living in a bottle and what happens when they get out um so it's a it's a it's a cool book um I think that one of the things that kind of that you know um, that kind of throws me about it is that it, it's a book where um, a lot of the teenage characters are written, and this is a pet peeve that I have about a lot of stories where teenagers are written as like way too smart um, or way too experienced in the way of the world. And I think it's fine to have one or two characters like that because we all, we all meet those people in life, like where oh you're you know you're twenty years old and you meet a contemporary who is like such an old soul and so knowledgeable and so experienced, but you know, most teenagers are dumbasses. Um, and I, <laughs> and I don't think most people are dumbasses and that's fine. Uh, you know, people are lovable and they make great characters when well, when well-written. Um, but I felt like most of the teenage characters were, uh, were smarter than I was, um, as, as a, as a, a grown man. <laughs> and, um, I, I it just makes me feel all the stupider, you know, when that happens. 
I, I don't disagree. I, I think that maybe there's something to the fact of the kind of tragedy that they've gone through is part of the reason why teenagers are allowed to be dumbasses is because their lives, they don't have a lot of things that are weighing down on them other than what they feel like. You know, the, the tragedy of being in high school where your entire social circle is your everything for eight hours a day. Yeah. Um, but when you have something like this where you're kind of forced into having these extra responsibilities and you're forced into taking care of your your siblings because your father's dead, that maybe puts a little bit more pressure on you to act like an adult, uh, even though you're still learning what that actually means. But it it preps you for approaching things with a more trepidatious intelligence as opposed to just like, well, fuck it, let's just go party. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I also sort of um, wonder if the uh, the hype that uh, the Dark Tower movie is starting to get has something to do with uh, greenlighting this project. Because um, I feel like if, and, and it also, right? Like, like yeah. everyone, it, it had the biggest, uh, we probably talked about this last week, but like the, the trailer that they just dropped, like broke. The most through. downloads in a 24-hour yeah. period it be. Uh, <laughs> Fate of the Furious, which had just been a month before, set the record. Yeah, so yeah, maybe, and maybe that has to do with that it. it's going to have the biggest opening for a horror movie ever. Yeah, well, that makes sense. You know, what's what's the what's the previous record holder on that? I'm not even sure. The Get Out, I think, is oh, the right, number right, two right. R-rated horror movie of all time. Yeah. Um, but this is supposedly going to dwarf it just from what they're anticipating from the audience reaction so far. Yeah, well, I hope it's good. That that should be cool. Yeah, and this is... You're absolutely right. It, it seems like this is probably something that's raising to the surface because it's Joe Hill, because it's Stephen King's son. Wow. Although Joe's built a very good uh, totally. library of stuff over the last several years where he... He didn't even use the King name right. uh, for writing. He, he came about and did stuff on his own. Yeah, well, people knew... Uh, yeah, eventually, and, who he was. Yeah, for me, uh, the first issue of Lock and Key was the first thing I'd ever read by him, and as soon as I finished those, you know, twenty-five pages, I was like, "Great storyteller!" Like, you know, I've read my share of Stephen King, um, and a lot of the stuff that I liked about him, just like the cleverness and the structure, and like, you know, sometimes you'll 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 read a like sometimes I like Clive Barker, and I think I, I've heard you guys talk about him. As well, but sometimes I'll read Clive Barker or, or Harlan Ellison, and I'll just be like, I'm not really sure what I'm doing here. Like, what, like, what am I supposed to be looking for that's going to like unlock this story? Um, and with Stephen King and with Joe Hill, like, that's not an issue for me. Um, it's just super accessible, and it's it's easy to sort of see. You know, they they shine a light really clearly on what you're supposed to be looking at. King is very everyman horror. Yeah. And and that I think is is a strong reason why his stuff has been so popular. Barker is very dream focused, very ethereal. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite books of all time is The Great and Secret Show by Barker. Absolutely. And it's a huge epic story that that covers a whole bunch of different characters over a whole bunch of different times. And then you get into Everville, which is even weirder. And I've been waiting for the third book, book of the art for years. Yeah. Um, but actually, the um, I'm sorry to interrupt you. The uh... The comics adaptation of Great and Secret Show is drawn by Gabriel Rodriguez, who did Lock and Key. I didn't realize he was the same artist, but yeah, I think I remember that now. He, yeah, that was also very well done. Um, but, but I, I completely agree. And and I think the one thing that I can look at from from outside, I'm not a big King fan, but from outside of it, it seems like King stuff gets to be sort of similar themes over time. 
like a lot of the stories seem to revolve around kids, especially in 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 Derry. Uh, yeah. The uh, the stories start to feel a little too familiar, at least at the starting point. And a lot of them are about writers. And Joe, I think, brings some originality while still having similarities to King's voice. I I, I definitely agree with you there. Um, you know, I think it's like that working class New England storytelling, no nonsense style. Um, but King has been so prolific that there's like the first book I ever read by that dude was uh, The Eyes of the Dragon. Me too. Right? Oh, so good. And I, I was actually recommending it to someone yesterday. I think I read it when I was like 12. Like, it was like the first book I ever read, like, in a weekend. Like, I couldn't believe, like, how, like such a page turner. And it's just like a straight up fantasy story. But then as you get into it, like, you read the stand and you're like, oh shit, like, Randall Flagg, like, same dude. Um, and Dark Tower's got that, like, weird Western dystopian. Uh, multiverse flair to it yeah everybody told me like there's there's <clears throat> such a big mistake to start out with the eyes of the dragon that is so unlike really? the rest of king's stuff and i'm like i don't know it was that was the one that grabbed my attention yeah you know, i wasn't necessarily even looking to read horror i was just that was a book that i saw and i said i'm gonna check this out and for a long time it was the only book that i actually made it through of his i read most of the gunslinger and i think i lost my copy right after i moved to california and then the, i think the only thing i've ever read of his besides that was on writing which is a completely different Oh, style. what a great book. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. The stand is very, very strong um, from what I, I mean, I read it when I was like 13. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, I know too much of King from his, his movie yeah, adaptations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see. Listen, maybe, maybe it will, uh, I mean, the, you know, the original, it is, is great. Um, you know, speaking of movies that traumatized everybody when they were a kid, um, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen, I think I've seen like half an hour of it. I never, I never saw it. Um, I think I, I remember seeing the, uh, the TV Shining came out when I was uh, with Stephen Weber. Yeah, like when I was like twelve, I think it came out, and I, I was into that. And um, you know, Kubrick is obviously very good, but uh, you know, oh, you know what is the, um, the you know in, you know in Pet Cemetery when Miko Hughes uh, like like hulks out and like kills the old man, like the little mm -hmm. kid. Mm -hmm. So that, I was actually, it's very funny. I, um, that vibe, I think that that scene gave me a nightmare or I had a nightmare that was like that and it's been a recurring dream that I've had. And um, I went on Reddit last week onto like horror, you know, subreddit, like horror films. And I was like, listen, can you guys just like tell me if this is a memory or a dream or both? This is what I remember. I don't know what it's from. And they're like, yeah, that's from Pet Cemetery. And I was like, oh, mystery solved. Fuck yeah. Yep. History's mysteries. I love, I love when thirty-year-old memories um, get like get resolved. Like I, it happened to be this earlier this week where um, there's a YouTube channel that I uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Blame Society Films. Um, they were playing some fucking board game from thirty years ago, and throughout my life, I've been like, what was that toy that? I couldn't place my finger on, didn't know what it was called, and there it was staring me in the face. Yeah. And thank God for Google because there's so many things that I've had memories of from when I was 10. And just like, what was that book that I read from the, that you used to order the books in class? You get the yep. catalog. That's uh, classic, yeah. Yeah. And, and there was some book that I read about, it was some kids overthrowing their, their teachers. And it was kind of a little <laughs> bit like the wall, but it was just so bizarre. And I, for years, I was like, I need to find this book. I need to find this book. And I finally found it on Amazon. I haven't ordered it again because I wonder if the memory is, is too yeah. precious and the book's probably a piece of shit. 
Yep. Uh, because there's got to be a reason why it's not still in print and I can order a copy for a penny. But it's nice to just have that close off. Like every once in a while, I think of some scene in a movie and I try to figure out what that movie is from this thing. And it turns out, oh, it's some early trauma movie or something. And I'm like, oh, thank God. You know, I just feel better about myself because I know that my brain just fucks with me too much. It was the penis monster, right? It, it might have been the penis yeah, monster. Of course. Yeah. Why wouldn't it be? I mean, that's not a movie. That's a memory. <laughs> it's a lifestyle, really. Or it's it's Legend of the Overfiend. <laughs> uh, let's move. Let's move on. I'd love to rather talk about dicks, but moving right along. Be here for nine hours. Two quick things. Since uh, Ben mentioned the horror subreddit on Reddit, if you're there, they actually started a podcast called the Dreaded Podcast. Episode one came out like yesterday, and I'm pretty fucking pumped. But episode two is actually going to feature our my interview with Mark Ramsey, who does the Inside Psycho podcast. Unfortunately, I feel bad because Corey wasn't part of that because I did it at like 11 a.m. some random day. Um, but I still thought that was really fucking cool. So if you want to check out a new podcast, head over to Reddit. Reddit.com r slash horror. If you like Reddit, you'll know what I'm talking about. But uh, and, and Yeah. And it, it, I, first of all, have no problem with the, with that being what they focus in on. I thought the interview went great. Uh, I was I very proud of you for doing it. once. Yeah, you 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 reined it in, but you you did a great job, and I'm I'm glad that it's being emphasized, and hopefully people get an idea of who you are from it, and maybe check out the show. But more than anything, it's just it's a really cool podcast for them to do because it's involving all of these other people in in the horror fandom community and and the work that they're doing, and and we're we're not a big show, we're we're just a couple of guys that watch horror movies and enjoy talking about this stuff, but there's a lot of people who also do great content, and this is a way to find out about them. Yeah, just fat hipsters sitting in our bedrooms. What's the format of Inside Psycho? Is that what it's called? Yep, Uh, it's a six-part deep dive into the making of Psycho through its release. Um, It's told kind of... Man, it's it's hard to describe it. So it, the, Mark does all of the voices, all of everything. He does all the storytelling and all uh, everything. And then he has a sound producer who like puts music and, and sound effects in. Cool. Yeah, so it's it ends up being like three total hours. Each episode's like 30 minutes. Um, I'm a big fan of the movie Psycho. Obviously a big fan of horror. We did Psycho with uh, Annie Chang and Christina Mueller on this podcast. So it was kind of cool that Inside Psycho came out shortly thereafter. So um, I, I was probably drinking one night and i shot mark an email and i was like hey man i do this podcast you want to come on and he was like yeah of course i do and i was like it was really fucking cool of him easy yeah i was really surprised at how easy it was to work with that guy um do you guys like the uh the movie minute podcast formats have you ever uh, done any of those or listened to those mm-hmm. um so it's uh it's a format where um five days a week uh they'll do they'll like obsess over uh one minute of a movie in sequence so it's like minutes you know, one through five during week one. Oh, wow. It's like 20, 20 minute episodes, and the uh, it originated with Star Wars. So Star Wars Minute is is uh, they're on they've done the original trilogy, and they're on episode two right now. And there is one for Aliens and Fifth Element, um, and oh, Goodfellas, a really good Goodfellas Minute podcast. And check it out; it's a very it's an interesting format. And so, if you have a favorite uh, horror flick, which I'm sure you do. Um, it's a, it might be a cool way to, uh, just like get crazy over, you know, Hellraiser or whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I think my friend, uh, 
sort of friend, uh, Ron Richards, who's from iFanboy. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did Goodfellas. He did Goodfellas. Yeah. Nice. All right, let's do this fucking news story. This is going to be the world's longest podcast. You might be in the running <laughs> for the longest podcast. The rate we're going might happen. That's uh, a rather personal record. I like it. <laughs> America's podcast guest. The, the lengthener of podcasts. Much like penis. Um, Sci-Fi has a show called Blood Drive. That is the Grindhouse series you didn't know you wanted. That's true because I've never heard of it, nor did I know I wanted to hear about it. Well, it's coming on June 14th, so that's probably why you haven't experienced it yet. I'm probably coming on June 14th, too. Good for you. Compulsively. I'll send flowers for your wife. It won't be with her. It'll be by myself in a pool of my own tears. And well, I know. It's vomit. just as a general apology to her for her life. And send her flowers and send me hand lotion. And Funyuns. <laughs> oh, I do that. Funyuns. I love Funyuns. <laughs> I don't know. Do you cook at all, Ben? Yeah, I'm He's showing us his I, wedding I, ring. I'm married and I cook all of the time. Okay, so your what? Does your wife cook? She's the best. Okay, so have her make. Why you, would I cook? She's the best. Have her make you funyun encrusted chicken <laughs> breast. Ooh. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All, right. All right. So this blood that drive show. Lovely. Yeah. Um, I do want to do a cooking podcast at some point too. I just don't have the fucking good. time. I I I uh, I can cook. Oh, dude, totally. If my wife like can like, I enjoy cooking. So, but if my wife cooked for me, I wouldn't. At no point would I ever do it because someone would cook for me, but I I, I yeah. don't hate it. Um. Anyways, so, so what's this? Uh, what's this, show. Is this vampire shit? Uh, no, it's like Tales from the Crypt meets Troma meets Grindhouse. Oh, it's uh, awesome. It says in the tradition of classic Grindhouse movies, Blood Drive is a new series soaked in high octane chaos and just barely approved for television. After Los Angeles' last good cop is forced to join a twisted cross country death race, his only hope of survival is a dangerous femme fatale. Who has the need for speed? Oh, and forget gasoline. These cars run on human blood. Like that sounds <laughs> amazingly cool. What? <clears throat> I like everything that you just read. Yeah, yeah. The series really from Universal Cable Productions, ex- executive producers John Lavlin, who did Underworld Awakening, Dave Straton, who did Bates Motel, and Frederick Malmberg, who did Let Me In along with producer Mark Wheeler and uh, James Rowland, created the project and are co-executive producers on this series. I, it's Grindhouse is one of those things that it seemed like it was going to have a huge resurgence when Tarantino and Rodriguez did their movies a couple years ago, and then those movies did not do incredibly well. Yeah. I think the experience was kind of a tough sell of two full-length mil- films in a row like that, and they were hard watches. Like I got to say, the Tarantino one... For me, especially, just is kind of like a hard movie for me to to watch sometimes. Uh, as good as Russell, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Rodriguez one is a little bit more like not even comedic horror, but it's just it's so off the wall because it's all zombies and everything. Yeah. But it, in general, grindhouse movies they're they're kind of an acquired taste, anyways. I watch some of them on the the local horror show that used to play around here in San Francisco. Oh, cool. That's but like this... outside my like I don't know what that stuff is. It's like before my time, and it's like it's like a definite blind spot for me. But I don't know. Like I like trauma, 
But I don't know if I could sit through like exploitation films from the seventies, like religiously. Just and that's the thing is is how exploitive is it, and is that something that I'm interested in either? Um, not usually, but it depends on how far it goes in that direction. And otherwise, it sounds like Death Race two thousand, which was awesome in its own way and yeah. and ridiculousness of, of it. And and you're right, absolutely. Trauma is is a good way of looking at it. And trauma does some exploitive stuff. Oh yeah, case. of course. But, um, but is is uh is hammers not hammers its own thing, right? Hammers its own thing. Okay. And that's a big blind spot for me. I've never seen any of that stuff. Um, though I would like to, and I almost picked a hammer flick. Um, oh, I thought we were yeah. talking about MC Hammer. I got really excited. He's good too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, Hammer did that horror film too legit to bloodlet. <laughs> so I don't know if it's, uh, we're going to get off topic here, but I, I own Hammer's um, Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him on vinyl. I don't know if you've ever actually listened to that album, but it's fucking bad. Like, he is not good at making music. He made two <laughs> hits, and the rest is just hot garbage where he's trying to slay some pussy. This is... This is uh... Master of Ceremonies, Hammer? Yeah. Wait, I, MC Hammer's the Master of Ceremonies? That's what MC stands for. I never knew that. Okay. Oh, my God. I'm fucking... Guys, I'm a dead... <laughs> dead I'm a death metal guy. I don't listen yeah. to MC Hammer. That's all right. I don't know who he is anyway. That's fine. <laughs> all right, we digress. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's do this last news story, I guess, real quick. We got to talk about this not very good movie, in my opinion. Oh... I, it, it's one that you need to watch more than once because oh, right. I was oh, so yeah. confused yeah, yeah. the entire time as to what was yeah, happening. Yeah. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. What's yeah. the news? What's what's in the news? The, the last story we got is uh, there's a direct sequel to Joe Dante's The Howling, which is coming in comic reform, and it's going to be called Revenge of the Werewolf Queen. Uh, she probably gives really good hand jobs. I never like saw uh, The Howling. I think I've only seen Gremlins by Joe Dante. Is it good? I've never seen it. Have you seen Matinee? No. I really want to see I, I actually almost picked Matinee. Um, well, you can always just come back because there's at least two more movies you want to watch. <laughs> at least two. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> just come back. Corey, have you seen The Howling at least? I, I have. I, I always get it confused with Wolfen, but The Howling stands out uh, above Wolfen because it has Dee Wallace in it, who is obviously very beloved in the horror community. She's been in tons of stuff. Um I think she was. Wasn't she in Cujo? I have no As the mom. Uh, but we we definitely talked about her in the Frighteners. Oh yeah, ET. Uh, yeah, Cujo. And Secret Admirer. Um, the Howling is one of those things that it's it's basically it's a werewolf movie. It's it's. But I believe that they did a bunch of really bad sequels to it if i remember correctly and this may be more akin to the sequels than the original uh i think it was based off of a novel though too so that might be more of a place to start is there like a specific like pitch or hook about this movie that like what like why like why does this werewolf movie need to get made what like what is what's unique about it if anything I mean, it was the 80s. We were looking at things like an American werewolf in London uh -huh. at around the same time. I think the werewolf was just at that point where people still thought it was cool because the effects were getting pretty good with yeah. it. 
Um, but it was also on its way out. I think about the time that Silver Bullet finished, it was the last time that we saw a really good werewolf movie. Uh, other than like the Wolfman, which is a completely different kind of creature to me uh-huh. than a werewolf. Um, He's I a think man. that's when things kind of changed. Yeah, it, it's it's a different kind of creature. Let's make a new one where it's like a centaur wolf. So it's like here's the centaur, and here's the this is the this is the man, and this is the wolf, and this is the you know this is the butt. So we just <laughs> discovered your your one true pairing in Harry Potter fan fiction. Well, I'm I'm a furry, so like you know that's <laughs> how I. That's just how I think, man. My kid is a furry, actually. That's good. Uh, so, so is one of my best friends. Good. Yeah, the, let's see. The four issue limited series takes place directly after Karen White, uh, who is played by Dee Wallace on the movie, uh, after her transformation on live television and her subsequent on screen demise at the hands of Chris Halloran. Uh, according to Comicsology, because of this, Chris Halloran is having nightmares as he awaits trial for murder. Not in jail yet. Chris is conducting an investigation of his own. If he can prove the existence of werewolves, he might just have a chance at redemption. If only his witnesses would stop turning up dead. If he can prove it. Right. And Chris Halloran was played by Dennis Duggan in the film. Why do I keep thinking Christopher Lee's in this, but he's not. Wasn't he? I, that, I, um, no. no, that's Christopher Lambert. Oh, oh okay. From Highlander. Yeah, you're right. You're always right. Christopher Lee may have been in one of the Wolfen movies. That might be what I'm remembering. Like I said, I could just fuck up the entire conversation. No. Ship is sailed, buddy. God damn it. Sorry, guys. So this is coming out on May 31st. And it's like, who's the publisher? Space Goat. Yeah, it was a publisher I wasn't really familiar with. They do a lot of licensed stuff. I feel like they. Shit. Are they? They might be a spinoff of Devil's Do. Oh, that would make sense. Something like that. Uh, Devil's Do does a lot of of licensed stuff. At least they're not related to Blue Water or whatever they were. <laughs> I have a buddy who drew a book for Blue Water. He did the Tina Turner bio. Oh yeah. You <laughs> think yeah. <laughs> he did it? And he's not. He's he's a great artist. He's not like a he's not a fast artist. But he did this book in like I think like three weeks, and. Uh, that's uh buy some my, water comics, everybody. <laughs> my best friend did stuff for the the fat mama character from Stanley's superhero TV series, <laughs> his reality show. And uh apparently everybody who worked in that book got screwed over pretty bad by fat mama of all people. Like if you're if you're gonna get screwed in the industry, anybody else but the character fat mama from Stanley's Oh God! Well, if you just... get screwed by anyone, you might as well get screwed by Stanley. Yeah, that's but it—that's the thing—is that I don't think it had anything to do with Stanley at all. I don't even think it was one of his oh, publishing it never, companies. It never does. It's probably. just you know, here's my name. Yep. You know? Let me let me sign right up on this. My students—they'll uh, ask me like, "Isn't Stanley the greatest artist?" And I say, "He sure is." <laughs> Excelsior! At this point, Excelsior. I'm just like, "He's the best." <sighs> Who do you think is really the best? The best, not the breast. I got titties on the mind, sorry. Oh, boy. It would take somebody who actually draws. So, I mean, uh, that's, that's Greg Land is out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it depends on, like, what... I mean, I can I can tell you my 50 favorite cartoonists, but, like, Barry Windsor Smith, Bill Watterson, Charles Schultz, uh, Sam Keith, Mike Bignola, like, whoever. Like, there's so many talented people. Uh 
Dave Sim is a genius, but you know, like there's depends on like what mood you're in, like what you, you know, what you want. Yeah, I'm oh, a big Terry Moore fan. Uh, Chris Bacalo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but my favorite artist is is my friend that I just mentioned because he's the artist that Fat Mama. I, yeah, well, he did Fat Mama, but I, I, he's also drawn comics that I've written, so that helps. Oh, cool, cool. Nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's all the news we got, I guess. That's all the reading-related news. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's other news out there. That's just all the shit that we picked. <laughs> I think uh, Beat's pissed that you didn't give Alex Ross any love. Dicks. Uh, Alex Ross doesn't need love. Alex Ross gets big fucking checks. That's true. He just gets hugged by his checks. Uh, before we get into the movie, we have uh, we got a, a, some, some feedback. We got an email from a listener. I just want to go over real quick. Um, Mike Nilsson probably you know butchered that one because it could be a could be a tricky guy but uh he's uh, Corey. have you ever seen the movie the void came out in 2017 yeah actually we just watched it uh two weeks ago good uh it's it's still out in theater right now and if you have the opportunity to go see it it may be hard to find especially with all the new stuff that's coming out but i'm seeing it nice uh, if not, you can rent it on demand. Uh, I think it's even streaming through Amazon at the moment. It oh, really? is oh, wow. quite cool. It it reminds me a mix of what we were talking about earlier. It a mix of Hellraiser, maybe a bit of Nightbreed, and Ooh. a little bit of John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness in there too. And my wife and I saw the preview and we thought this looks great. Let's check it out. And it, we have seen it. A lot of uh, practical effects I heard in that one. Very much in the way of practical effects, and they get nice. to the point where it makes sense to not use practical effects, and I but it's still very void. evocative. Well, yeah, and then it, it makes sense because it's very '80s kind of evocative, yeah. even though it's not necessarily taking place in the '80s, but it's got that kind of aesthetic that works really well. I'm I'm I don't think everything should be a throwback film these days, and we're seeing a lot of it between Stranger Things, and we did uh, Final Girls. Uh, a couple weeks ago with with Glenn Rubenstein, and that had a kind of throwback feel to it as well. And it made sense for those projects. I don't want to see everything do that, but this didn't seem to be like this takes place in that era. It just had the same kind of mindset of those kind of films, and I think it really worked. Cool. I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I'm going to totally get my hands on that. Um, I haven't seen it yet, so I'm assuming... It's on Amazon? It should be streaming on Amazon. It's streaming through on-demand services through Comcast, at least right now, even though it's still in theaters as well. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, it is. I'll be damned. Cool. Well, I know what I'm doing uh, tonight when I'm jacked up on coffee and can't go to sleep. Yeah, this will help. Yeah, great. And and it'll work for you because there is some very much Lovecraftian kind of stuff to it. That's what I heard. Yeah, that's totally what I heard. And that's all I like. If it isn't about the Grateful Dead or H.P. Lovecraft, I'm out. <laughs> I'll be damned. So what if in an alternate universe there's an H.P. Deadcraft? <laughs> I, I, hopefully I, I've drawn it. <laughs> I assume that the, the spoken language of that universe is just groaning at that terrible joke. It's just like 25 minutes of noodling, and then uh, you just don't want to listen to it anymore. Fair enough. I don't think I've ever listened to a full Grateful Dead song. I have seen Fish live, though, and that was more than enough for me. Yeah, yeah, fish is its own thing. Yeah, it's yeah, but that's the closest I get to the Grateful Dead. But yeah, I mean, you know, I think with the thing with the Dead, it's uh, it's it's a lot of Americana, and I think that that aspect is is really misunderstood. Um, uh, it's like psychedelic cowboy songs. It's you know, it's its own thing. 
Um, Enough said. It's a, it's a different podcast. Um, <laughs> last thing. So Mike is asking if we've ever done Sleepaway Camp. We have not. Um, I know it's a movie that I... I the movie I, or have I gone to Sleepaway Camp? <laughs> the movie Sleepaway Camp. Um, I went to a camp and it was just like the movie. It was just Sleepaway like that, camp, yeah. Which is why I will never own a hair curler. I, oh, <laughs> I assume someone will ask to watch it. So that's why I haven't picked it at least when it's just Corey and I. Is I it, will is beg it good, or is it just like Ooh. here's the ending? Yeah. <laughs> here's the <laughs> Oh wow, the ending is is uh, is what the movie's all about. But there there's pretty vile kills in there. The curling iron thing stands out. I, I just hope that whoever it is doesn't ask us to then do the sequels. It's our Bruce Springsteen sister because those uh, are just awful. That's funny. <clears throat> yeah. So eventually we'll do it. <clears throat> um, he goes on to say, been listening to the pods old and new. He's not a Patreon fan, but he would send me beer. So, Mike, you are now on the record saying that you're going to ship me a box of beer. You have our email. Get at me. I accept beer. Beer is far more important than Patreon to, so, to Matt. Send, send me beer. Send Corey Lipton iced tea bags. <laughs> I don't even know that the podcast could happen without Matt having beer. So, yeah, please do that. I didn't have beer today, but I figured if I don't have them tonight, then I'm breaking my, my streak. So I tradition, your traditional beer. lifestyle. Yeah, it's. I really like beer. I don't like getting drunk because it ruins my next day. I just really like having a beer or two. Yeah, yeah. Make sound like a fucking alcoholic on my own podcast, but I didn't invite you on here so you could make me look like a fucking alcoholic. No, he doesn't need you for that. He just does it by talking. <laughs> I noticed I got slurry. I'm not even drunk. Anyways, um, some friends of his were also house shopping. So they were taking a bunch of pictures of promising houses, and he attached a picture, which will be in the show page. Um, ben, if you were in the show doc, you could see it, or you may have seen it already. But they took a picture of a back of the house, and uh, in the window is just a big fucking head. And it's terrifying. It's a big, scary fucking head. Big fucking face. It, it, it might be a, a, a good guy doll that's just staring out the back window. <laughs> Just as deformed as fucking possible. It, it he also the, the location is Grand Rapids, Michigan. I was just there. Yeah. I, I just flew into and out of Grand Rapids. It's actually uh, when just, I went to it's Corey's butt stuff. cheeks pressed up against a window, and there just it, happened to be it there. It could be me. That could be me just sitting there <laughs> waiting for the weather to change in five minutes because it's fucking Michigan. Is that where the uh, face of your twin like emerged on your butt? So like yeah. Lewis, Lewis lives in your butt. Uh, yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> that's good. That's good. So that's uh, that's the email from Mike. Mike, thanks again. Uh, we really do appreciate when people send us emails because it, it it validates what we do here. It validates all the fucking time I listen to people call me an alcoholic and watch shitty movies. Yeah, you're gonna get called into court, Mike. You're gonna you're gonna go in as a character witness because you validated what we do here. Yep. Be like, you can't tell these two fat asses that what they do is cool. That's all I got. Anyways, let's talk about this fucking movie. <laughs> the movie Brazil. You I, did a good job. I laughed way too much at the fact that someone's name was Buttle. Yeah. They kept calling, looking for Harry Buttle. That's, Which was the mistake. Yeah. They should have been looking for Tuttle. Yeah, but still, I, was, I giggled every time. Every fucking time. That's good. Well, it's a comedy, so, you know, you can... It really you can, and you that's can the thing. Like I didn't know um I did, I knew nothing about this movie. I still know nothing about this movie and I just watched it. Uh, <laughs> Do you have much familiarity with uh Terry Gilliam overall? No. No. Okay, well 
I am not a good person to start this conversation. That's why I'm waiting for one right. of you two. Sorry. So, uh, yeah. So, you know, for me, like, this movie, like, I, I'm, I'm like, surprised. It surprises me that people aren't, like, A, familiar with it, and B, like, super into it. Um, although I shouldn't be. My history with this flick is that I had, um, like, like, when I was, like, a freshman in high school, my friends who were seniors got me into you know, like trauma and anime and D and D and like all the stuff that I, that I liked. And we would like go to the video store and they'd be like, there's two movies and, and we were watching trauma shit. And, but they were like, there's two movies you should never fucking watch. Cause they suck. And I was like, Oh yeah. What are those? And they go Brazil and the wicker man. And well, I, the wicker man. Yes. But I believe them. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I do like the wicker man. Actually. I like the, uh, I like the music a lot. Um, not the the Nick Cage one. No, though, no, right? the old one, the old one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Christopher, Christopher Lee. Lee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I like. I just kind of avoided it, and um, you know, I, I like Monty Python a lot. So the, the director of this flick, Terry Gilliam, was uh, the animator at Monty Python, and uh, he directed a bunch of their stuff. I think I, I don't know if he directs uh, Holy Grail. Um, but if you, yeah, you know, the, he did the Holy Grail and well, aside from that, he was also this is part of the trilogy that he did called the what was it? The trilogy of imagination growing up. I don't know. It's like it's time bandits, this and uh, Baron oh, Munchausen, which I love. Yeah. So, you know, it's this like surrealistic satire, lavish, filmic, auteur style. Um I feel like uh, um, you know, Twelve Monkeys is probably like I don't want to say his most accessible, but like maybe in the in the uh, in the zeitgeist, like his most um, like his most popular flick. Um, and Brazil is this uh, it's an Orwellian steampunk uh, satire about a, a low level bureaucrat who gets caught up in in the system while being distracted by the daydreams that. Uh, that he obsesses over, and there's just like there's never a moment in this flick where there isn't something, some super inventive prop or shot or uh, or layered uh, audio, um, and it's it's got for me it's got a very uh, uh, like Lebowski kind of quality where you have to like it invites you to rewatch it just to like get the plot, um, and then also like to get all the little things that are that are tucked away in the corners that sort of. Uh, fill out the story and its themes. Um, it's a, not, you know, not an easy flick, but one that I, I really dig. Uh, Matt is mentioning in the chat to our our producer over on Elster, it's Beatmaster, about I think these movies would be way better with drugs. Oh yeah. And and uh, since since Gillen did uh, Fear and Loathing Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, you're probably right. That that may actually be the best thing to say about it is. Get really fucking high and try to watch this. Waiting for yeah. recreational legalization in the state of Wisconsin. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's stuff in this flick that, um, like, if it, it can, it's very easy to sort of like wash over you and get a little, uh, little like hypnotized, um, just because like there's so much going on. Um, I feel like there was a point when I realized, uh, so uh, De Niro has a has a small role in the picture. Mm-hmm. And um, he plays a, a renegade uh, terrorist air conditioning engineer uh, <laughs> because the, the bureaucracy 
and the the uh, the central services like uh, infrastructure, uh, the contractors are all like run through the government bureaucracy, and they're and they're bastards and they're bullshit. Uh, Bob Hoskins plays one of them really well, and um, you know, yeah, he becomes a terrorist basically because he yeah, hates paperwork. He hates the paperwork, and then in the end, he's undone by paperwork. Um, yes, uh, <laughs> by the newspapers are flying over him and. Uh, Jonathan Price is trying to dig off the papers, and he he's just vanished into the the miasma of dystopian horseshit. Um, I love it. I do want to point out real quick that for you calling yourself dimwitted, you're very well spoken. Well, <laughs> I think thanks, that's thanks. really funny. Um, well, he's 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 talking to us. That's true. I'm talking, I'm talking to smart guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard to it's hard out. not to elevate yourself when you're sitting down with this shit crew. Yeah. You know, for uh, for uh, depressed Jewish cartoonists, um, you really have to strike a balance between uh, self-aggrandizing and self-deprecation, and um, that's you know that's all I'm going for here, fellas. Hey, it works. Helps sleep at night. Do, yeah, right. Doing my goddamnedest. I think that one thing that's really cool to note about uh, Terry Gilliam is that. Um, he was, I believe he was an apprentice to Harvey Kurtzman um, in the early 60s. Uh, and Kurtzman was the guy, uh, the cartoonist who uh, created Mad Magazine. Um, and so you can, you can sort of trace uh, a satirical lineage from, from Mad Magazine uh, into uh, Monty Python and then into Brazil. And in fact, um, the boss... Uh, played by uh, Ian Ian Holm, I think, is named Kurtzman after uh, after uh, after Kurtzman, and also the midget. Uh, sorry, the the uh, the plastic surgeon uh, little person is Doctor mm-hmm. Doctor Jaffe, who is named after Al Jaffe, the creator of the Mad Magazine Folden. Right. Um, I actually have a signed copy of the picture of Alfred E. Newman from Dick DiBartolo. Nice. Uh, who, who's worked for Mad Magazine for generations because uh, I was on his podcast at one point. Uh, really nice. guy. But um, yeah, and the Jaffe, the actor who played him, also was in Time Bandits, I believe. Well, you got, I mean, all the, all the little people are in Time Bandits. Yeah, everybody. They were either in that or somewhere under the rainbow with Chevy Chase and Carrie Fisher. That, I don't know what that is. I've never seen that. Oh, Jesus. That's, that's something to check out. That somewhere is. Over the rainbow. Under the rainbow. Under, under the rainbow. Yes. Okay. It's, it's basically, or no, no. Oh, yeah. It's Under the Rainbow from 1981. And it's, I think it takes place like with the actors behind the scenes of doing uh, The Wizard of Oz. Oh, yeah. I think I've heard of this. It, it's crazy. I haven't seen it probably since the early 80s, but it's always stuck out in my head. It's got Billy Barty in it. And of course, like, everybody you can fucking think of. Is it, um, uh, is it better or worse than Nothing But Trouble? Um, nothing But Trouble, I, I've always kind of had a, a hate relationship with <laughs> Uh, except for the moment when they bring in uh, the oh, who did the Humpty dance? Uh, easy, uh, no, uh, fuck, Humpty, Humpty Hump. Yeah, uh, but um, that's Digital Underground. Digital Wonder Underground. Wonder Thank you. Wonder yeah, when they Wonder come in and they do the the song to get out of going to jail or being murdered by the judge and yeah. all the people. He loves yeah, it. it. It's certainly better than that. 
Isn't um, Tupac? Uh, isn't Tupac in that in that scene? Or he's still alive. Tupac never yeah, Tupac's. Oh, of course, Tupac he's still alive. Yeah. Everywhere and in all of us. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if Tupac's uh, in the movie. I think he was in Digital Underground. Uh, I, I think he's he's what's listening to Trump through his microwave. Actually, it's the illusionary Tupac. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. Tupac was a dancer in Digital Underground. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Internet. And then Yeah. Yeah, and then he came back and was featured on the song called Same Song, which was the last time Tupac appeared on any Digital Underground. Oh. And that might have been the song from from uh Nothing But Trouble. I think that might be. Is that is that a song where they where they like wrap the plot of the movie as they? No, no, it's, it's, not, quite, it's not quite that. Although well, that'd I be mean, a great song. It's got Dan Aykroyd in it, and he's certainly done that enough times. But Aykroyd likes to do videos and have songs and movies, and then have a video with all the people from the movie in it for the music video. Right. He, he did that with so many of his other films, and usually it was him doing it, like him and Tom Hanks doing it for uh, Dragnet. Dragnet. Uh, Oh but, right, right. But that's like the that's like the the biggest example. Yeah, where they themselves are rapping. <laughs> that was I haven't so seen that in a while. Uh, Beat in the chat just said that Tupac is alive. No biggie. And then I wanted to point out that uh, Tupac and Biggie just live on an island somewhere. So he's picking up what I'm putting down. That's good. Yeah, uh, I I do want to mention that. It, since we're talking about this movie, I did really enjoy the fact that like in the first five minutes. They put the person in the ridiculous, you know, the Hannibal. Yeah, the Hannibal Lecter yeah. get up with the straight jacket, and then the guys come in to fix the hole in the in the ceiling. Yep. <laughs> and they just like set it in there, and it falls through. And they're like, "Oh, they went yeah. to metric." And they just get up and walk away. <laughs> the yeah, ladies are all fucking terrified. <laughs> we don't make mistakes. They say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like so, how the kid, uh, the 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 kid, um, is like playing with a like a toy machine gun. And uh, you know the the cops come in and they like just push him aside. But like nowadays, that kid's dead. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So is the dog. So is anybody. It, it's pretty They're much. They're all dead. Witness. Yeah. <laughs> Girl upstairs dead, and they fired on her right away in this too. And and yeah, right. oh, just showing her face. <laughs> well, yeah, I, just, I I just had a I didn't sorry to interrupt you, Ben, but I just had a, a weird. Um, yeah, I have brown out moments when I drink too much. So I when I I was on ninety percentile last week and is that where you poop your pants? <laughs> yes. Get all the brown. I, I I just wanted to leave it up to people to figure out what a brown out was, but I, I yep. shit myself uncontrollably. Um Jack and Dan and I were talking about how in uh Die Hard where he's got the, the sign that says I hate a certain culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you couldn't do that anymore. Not saying that you should be able to do that. But it's similar to what um, what you're saying is like if this happened nowadays, that kid would just be dead. Right. You know, it's it, things have changed so drastically, and it's like you can't get away with what you could then, and you can't do now what you you know yeah. do then. Just, well, you know, I think that the the you know the millennials are really into you know communication and uh, and entertainment, and uh, and you know they they make up most of the far left. Um, and so, you know, for them, it seems to be that, uh, you know, representation is really important for them. They want to see. And, and, I, and I, I agree with that, too, that, you know, you should have stories about all different kinds of people. Um, but all different kinds of people and characters are, you know, 
on the on the D and D spectrum from you know lawful good to chaotic evil. Everybody, you know, everyone's there. So it's great to have uh, you know characters of whatever walk of life, but they can't all be you know precious angels. So like you know yeah. you have to be able to have you know it, you know there's nothing wrong with having uh, a trans character being a villain. Um, you know, as long as everybody gets to be a well-written character with an arc. Right. It, it, it's, I think the problem is, is that for so long, trans characters have only been portrayed as the villains or the weirdos or something yeah. that is non-normal. And so right now there is a, a sense of trying to overcorrect, but for good reason. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because it, until we can get enough of those roles under the belt where it's not that, yeah. And they are the normal person and they are one of the leads uh, or the lead completely, then it's still just it's perpetuating something that already exists. And it's like we've we've been to this well so many times. Let's try something new with them. Let's try telling stories where that's not the case, at least for a while. Yeah. You know, and 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 kind of even things out because it's so much of the story is still, you know, the white hero. Um and the the female role is supportive of the the main character and all that stuff and it's totally like i realize that i don't have a problem personally with things like scarlett johansson playing the lead in ghost in the shell but why would it ever be personal to me because i've already got representation and everything of course i can completely understand that the director wasn't trying to do anything that was against uh asian americans or asian people in general it just but seemed like it was a business time, call. Like the movie doesn't get made because we need, the, we need this big star. Yeah. But then it also could be the thing where you make a big star out of somebody totally that could have played that role. Same with the Iron Fist thing. And it's like it's not like they're doing it because they're part of the problem. But the problem is kind of the reason why they're doing it because that's just how it's been. And how do we solve that problem without making those changes? Without being the first people to take those brave steps? Totally. The one thing that I saw in what I watched of Iron Fist was that even though there was this white knight, you know, stuff going on, the fold for me was that, like, he's a dumbass. He like, is a real dumbass. Like, he's a fucking idiot. So, like, you know. He's the least interesting character <laughs> in that whole thing. Yeah. yeah. I know. I couldn't. I didn't really sit through it. but uh, I, I got about eight episodes in, and I just kind of haven't gotten back to it yet. And I feel... Like, that's the first time of these shows that I've, I've had that reaction. But I was far more intrigued by the Colleen Wing character totally, yeah. than I was of him. And and even some of the, the villain-type characters are, are more intriguing to me than he is. It's too bad that that's the case, but I think it's I think it was a poorly produced show uh, when you hear about the fight scenes and stuff were choreographed, and he was learning the choreography five minutes before filming. Uh, I think it was kind of unfair to him in a lot of ways how do they resolve that? How do they fix it for the next season? Does there need to be a next season? Or do they just utilize him in other crossover stuff with Luke Cage, where then we don't have the White Savior as the only lead? Yeah. Um, well, we... You know, we'll also see where that universe expands to. Um, yeah. I think that Punisher is going to open up a lot of doors. Is that coming out before Defenders? That's that's their next show, right? I, I think Defenders is next, and okay. then Punisher. Uh, we've already found out that the Claire Temple character will not be in the Punisher. They couldn't right. get that worked out. Right. Uh, but they've they've got the next season of Jessica Jones. I think is going to be filming soon mm -hmm. uh, after that. So yeah, that it'll be it'll be interesting to see how the universe changes now that all of them have been established, and when we have that crossover happen for that six episode series. Yeah. 
uh, what they do next with them. But it's oh, Defenders is only six episodes. I believe so. I believe it's a shorter season for that to well, get to get all those people smart. together in that one. Yeah, thing. I mean, but none that's of good because be that long. <laughs> yeah, they they need to be more succinct, anyways. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, Defenders does come out first. It's uh, August eighteenth. Oh right, I'm yeah. To find Punisher's date here. They just put out a poster today, I think, for Punisher. Um, yeah, I'm I'm holding out for Moon Knight. I can't wait. I can't wait for a kick-ass Moon Knight show. Fucking nerds. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, no, I, you keep talking about D&D. Ben, do you watch Harmon Quest at all, or have you ever? I have a little bit, yeah. Okay. That's, that sounds like something that might be up your alley. Yeah. I haven't I'm, watched Harmon Quest, but I listen to Harmon Town podcasts, mm-hmm. and they yeah. sometimes do the D&D stuff live on, on the show. Uh, that is just such a fun podcast in general. And I, I got to rewatch some early Rick and Morty. They've been playing them a lot lately. Yeah. Again, since they just did the new episode for the the new season coming up, yeah. God, that show is fucking th- just did amazing. You get to see the new episode, Corey? Yeah. Have you oh, seen yeah. it, Ben? Yeah, I heard that some nerd paid fourteen thousand dollars for the dipping sauce. Oh wow! What in a- real <laughs> in real life. That's a dumbass. Oh God! And have you tried to eat dipping sauce from from Chicken McNuggets <laughs> like even a month after? Just they they go rancid real fast. That's that's something you don't want to do to yourself with people around you. Um, hundred years, Rick and Morty. I, I all I want. I just wanted to point out that now when I f- end conversations, I just like to say I'm gonna go take a shit, just walk away. <laughs> um, Rick and Morty. I'm gonna go take a shit. <laughs> so fucking good. Um, I did buy Rick and Morty Funko Pops, but I already packed them away. Um. I don't even know where we are in this movie. Where are, what are we? <laughs> so De Niro shows up in this as Harry Tuttle, the the person that they mistakenly get Harry Buttle yep. uh, and take him in and kill him. Um, but De Niro was actually originally supposed to play the uh, the Michael Palin character yeah. and didn't get the role, so he, he wanted to be in the movie anyway, so he decided to play Harry Tuttle. And I think he's, he's great in that part because he just... Comes in every once in a while and does something really fucking cool, and then disappears down a zip line, uh, going down the yeah. building. And he just—he's great. He kind of steals the show whenever he comes in. And I'm not a huge De Niro fan in general, but in this, it was just like every time he shows up, like it's just elevates things. I mean, but everyone's I great in this movie. Every yeah. single person is is fantastic. Catherine um, Homand uh, as as Sam's mom as Ida Lowry getting the yeah. the facial stuff done and, and the other woman who's with her that has all the things that are going wrong with her yeah. because she did the, the acid treatment yeah. as opposed to the the stretch and snip treatment. Yeah, that was man. fucking yeah. crazy. That was sorry. That was fucking insane to watch. I, it was it was made me a little uncomfortable. The mother's introduction. I actually have a note here that there's this amazing graphic match on the edit where. Um, the, the, there's a line of dialogue about pulling strings within the the bureaucracy, and then it cuts to her face being stretched out. Back. <laughs> and uh, it's funny because I see like this is one of those things I see um, pop up in advertisements when I'm looking up horror news and stuff. They're always talking about horror movies that you really need to see, and it's always a picture of her face from that or the yeah. mask that Palin's character is wearing later on. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, this is considered a horror movie in a lot of ways. It's it's not a straight-up horror movie in the way that you think of. Uh, in a lot of ways, it's kind of based off of uh, George Orwell's 1984, although while Gillen admits that, he also said that he never really read it. 
So he just kind of took the the premise and the ideas for it and utilized it for this. Oh, like and Alejandro it, it makes Jodorowsky. Sense. Yeah. And I, I can see a little bit of things that I would imagine, like just, it's just the overthrowing of the bureaucracy, things yeah. like V for Vendetta, well, it's uh, even the Matrix to a certain degree. Yeah, totally. The funny thing is there's a, there's like two things that like actually put it in the in the 80s, uh, and it's those, uh, those like uh, the glass grid paneled walls. Mm-hmm. I don't know what those are called. And there's a lot of neon also. Um, but, uh, you know, it's also got like a lot of film noir stuff. There's a, mm-hmm. there's a part where they do voiceover where he's, um, he's like drawing the long hair on the computer printout of Jill. And he's, he's like in transit. And there's like film noir, like saxophone playing. And there's like a voiceover. And it's like, like, what? like there's a lot of tones, a lot of tones being hit. Which um, is funny because it's kind of like what they did to Blade Runner, and yeah, Blade Runner had also gotten totally. torn up to shit Shun, by yeah, by the yeah. by the production company. They're like, uh, we don't really like the way that you shot this, so we're going to do our own edit of it. Mm-hmm. Or in this case, they didn't even tell Gillum. They they had no conjunction of like saying, "Hey, we're editing this because we think it'll work better this way." One happier ending, and he argued against it. And they said, well, "We're just going to hire our own people in the background and have them put it out the way that we want." Is this and then he point um, them on it. Is this movie four years after Blade Runner? Is that is that the timeline? Blade Runner's eighty two, I believe. Somewhere around that, yeah. This is eighty five. Yeah, but they're very. They're, I mean, they are like companion pieces uh, in in a lot of ways. And you know that you were saying about like the whole like how like you know on Zerg.net, you know they always have the Michael Palin uh, baby mask moment. Like to me, that's a that's scary stuff. Um, yeah, when when he starts getting interviewed, when he's been captured and they've they've labeled him the terrorist, and they're all like saying, you know, you need to confess. You're costing too much money. It's going to yeah. rack up all your debt and stuff. It's There's this really moment where you see these rate. like weird robot looking things with those masks just yeah. pop up on the screen for a second, and it's like, what the shit is that? It's just so terrifying and so out of nowhere. And that's not even at the point where he's supposed to be hallucinating the stuff that's happening to him. Right. Yet. Well, he's about to get lobotomized. Right. Um, and and Palin shows up. And um, uh, he's like begging him. He's like, take off the mask, stop this. And he, uh, the shot, like, this is why Terry Gilliam is great for me. He takes off the mask. He puts his hand over the microphone. So, yeah. his, so his, you know, his, his, his arm is blocking his face. And just like the sound effect of, um, of his hand muffling the mic. It's like this very staticky, like analog uh, uh, quality to it. And I, I think that there's a, there's something great about this this weird uh, retro steampunk shit where it's like we really live in the future and nothing works. You know the uh, the computers are made out of typewriters and you know busted up TVs. Like it's just uh, and that's Gillum's aesthetic. I mean, yeah, yeah. That, he he worked a lot of that stuff into Python before this. Uh, even the buildings coming up the ground reminded me of stuff I've seen. In Python movies, like the yeah. meaning of life, uh, when they yeah, had the, the the corporate files, pirates yeah. fighting against yeah. each other. <laughs> I, but his stuff is so brilliant. Like you feel like this is a huge world. You feel like everything's been built for this. Uh, there's even a scene where he's driving his car, where Sam is driving his, his little like one person car down the yeah. street. And he's going through and you can see all these buildings and all this stuff kind of like looking beautiful above it. And then it turns out. And that it's all a model, yeah. <laughs> and you see some guys head lean over it and everything. You're like, oh shit, you know, did they did they do this wrong? But then no, it's like we're just showing you a model that happens to be down the street on somebody's truck at the same time. Yeah, it's it's so wonderful because he is an artist. 
you know, and he, totally. he does his films like art. Every time uh, Price is in his fantasy uh, about him and Jill and he's flying around with those wings, it just feels so big and real, yet so perfectly unreal at the same time. And the fantasy of him fighting the giant weird samurai robot and all the things that kind of get worked in when the, the street bricks kind of reach up and grab him and it turns out to be Ian his Holmes, co-worker yeah. who doesn't want him to leave and it's holding him back. Like so much of that is just so brilliantly done and it it's almost unnecessary. And I could see a film trying to do a story like this and not including any of that because it they don't have the artistry that this guy has. Yeah, you actually just read my mind because I was going to ask you, like, as good as the fantasy stuff is, um, is it like some of it's a little like left field? Like the samurai stuff for me is really left field. And I don't know if there's supposed to be some kind of like globalization, um, like like commentary woven in there. Um, but it seems like it's a like it's a bit much, but as soon as you start questioning it, it's over. Like, like it's, it's not a huge part of the movie. Um, but it is, uh, yeah, whatever I was just talking about, <laughs> you know, like it's there, you know, take it or leave it. It's, you know, it's fine. <laughs> but, but the samurai is a little strange for me. I didn't see the movie, but Ben Stiller recently did a remake of the secret life of Walter Mitty. Oh, right which was about a guy who I think falls into fantasies and things. And, and I think that that's really what it is. And it, it, it suits what Gillen was going for having the, the three films all be about the imaginations of these characters. The, the first one with time bandits being the imagination of a 10 year old kid, this one being the, the imagination of a, a grown man in his thirties. And then Munchausen being the imagination of a man who's who's much older who's probably getting toward the ends of his life and he's yeah. just trying to like fantasize about what his life would have been if he had been on all these adventures yeah uh, and that, that and was my it. favorite of the three um i don't i don't know if you guys have seen seen all of them but i think oh, yeah. Munchausen is sort of like i've seen Munchausen the most yeah i so i saw that movie i was like in a oh, you're on camera that's my wife. <laughs> he said nothing but genuine about look you. of fear on her face, kind of <laughs> terror. Um, uh, yeah, I saw Munchausen. Uh, like I was in a. This is so weird. I was like visiting a friend out of state when I was a kid, and we had to go to like a medical center for, like, on an errand for an afternoon or, or like whatever the fuck, and it was on TV. And I, it, like we, I came into like in the very beginning of it, and I was like, like it was right up my fucking alley, like all that fantasy, lavish artistry stuff. And I was like, it was one of those things like we we're talking about where like for like fifteen years you're just like haunted by like what the fuck was that? And I would try to ask people like, have you seen this like weird like war movie from like it's like European? And it'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, I I love that movie. It's got um it's got this this uh this motif that I really like uh that I call the found family where like in The Wizard of Oz you're on this journey and you've got like these you like you've got like a team of dudes who each have their own specialty like there's the guy who uh who runs fast the guy who who can who, see who far blows. yeah <laughs> I love that. I think that's I think that's fantastic. Yeah, and isn't that is that the same guy? The same guy, yeah, yeah. The, the one who blows Jaffe, the acid yeah. man, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was in all three of them. I guess so, yeah. 
that's great. So. Yeah, yeah, because it it and seemed John like Jonathan Price is in Munchausen too. Yeah, and but instead of uh, he's Michael Taylor being in it, Eric Idle, and then I remember John Cleese being in Time Bandits. I don't remember if anybody else from Python was in that. That one I'm least I'm the least familiar with. I don't know. I, I, that one kind of puts me to sleep, to be honest with you. Time Bandits I watched a lot as a little kid, mm-hmm. having no idea what the hell it was going on, but had so many great people in it. And John Cleese is, as Robin Hood probably stands out as the funniest part of the movie for me. That it was my my end point, but the the evil of the movie that guy scared the shit out of me and was so perfectly cast in that role that um, that I can't imagine anything being more terrifying as a child than him wandering around in that that kind of cloak and stuff. Oh man, that was that was such a bizarre film. But it it really does when you look at the fact that that came out in eighty one, this came out in eighty five. Munchausen was 88. That is such a stellar amount of work to make those yeah. three films and what they are in that amount of time. And to be fighting the studios like tooth and nail right. the entire time. And to continue fighting them. I mean, every it seems like that's the story of this, of this artist because like obviously he's a talented guy. He needs to get it done his way. Um, and he's like, uh, he wants to be a pirate. Yeah. Uh, real quick, <clears throat> Ben Beat suggests that uh, you should check out Zero Theorem. Yeah, I did. I did see. Thank you, Beat. Um, you know, it's funny. I I forgot about Zero Theorem. A friend of mine asked me if I had seen it. I said I put it on. I fell asleep, and he said I did the same thing. Um, it's not like a I, glowing review of anything. I, I gotta tell you, like it, the, the the basic, like the conceit of the movie is that um, what's the German guy's name? Uh, Christoph Volz. Christoph Volz is working on a theorem that will show us whether or not the universe is is has a point to it, and like he finds out that it doesn't, and like and it drives him crazy and he shaves his head. That's all I remember. Like that sounds like the, pie. It, it's, it's it's very pie esque, yeah. It's not as good as pie, and it's probably cost a million times the same amount. So there you go. I don't know. Did you guys see Zero Theorem? Did did Beat see Zero Theorem? Beat would have. Yeah, Beat is sure. is Beat far more cultured than we are in his picks, and yeah. always makes recommendations to me. And I'm like, fuck you, Beat. I'm not watching that. Beat's that's Swedish. Cool. That sounds so way too does, much work. He does all sorts of weird shit. I assume. I don't he know. He knows what's know. good, though. That's yeah. true. And, and yet he hangs out with us. Yeah. So, but you guys didn't see Zero Theorem? Nope. I have not. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's Brazil esque. So, if you didn't like this, you know, it's like Brazil and 12 Monkeys, like mixed up together. Oh, sorry. Beats Swiss. Yes. Oh, fucking cheese. One of my favorite cheeses. <laughs> it's good. It's good. I think there's some holes in that comparison. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, Kim Grace. Kim Greist is in this as uh, Jill Layton. Uh, apparently, Gillum, oh, she's from Throw Mama from the Train. Oh, yeah. Didn't uh, did Danny did Danny DeVito direct that movie? Uh I he's, don't know. Actually, she was. She was also the wife of uh, Will Graham in Manhunter, which was the Silence of the Lambs before Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, Red Dragon. Fuck. Uh, Yes, Danny DeVito directed Throw Mom for the Train. He is, so he is a great director. 
Gillen apparently did not enjoy her performance in this and tried to cut a lot of her scenes She's out. She's not from very it. good. Her her, thought, her delivery is not that great. I thought she was fine, but she reminded me of I don't know the woman's name, but she was the blonde that was hanging out with with the main guy in Streets of Fire. Like just that that blonde tough attitude 80s woman except in this she's got her her hair cut short yeah but it just kind of like she seemed like she could be on the crew in aliens maybe i i don't know but i thought she was perfectly fine in this and when she's dressed up for his fantasy she she completely changes type and and looks like just super crazy hot in that moment and then in the the funeral in the end when they switch her with the mother yeah it's a real mind fuck oh yeah that that's kind of a weird thing when you're when you're facing your own fantasies and you realize that the girl that you've been creating in your mind is suddenly a stand-in for your mom, oh, that's not trying to say anything bad about you. Like a Freud, you know. Um, yeah, no, I I, uh, I dig it. I I um I don't think she's I don't think she's that good, and I think that um her just having this like damsel role is a little I don't want to say it's like juvenile. It's like kind of simple. Um, but then the dichotomy of her being this like Nostromo, you know, like uh, gorgeous, like tomboy is uh, sort of redeems it for me. Yeah, the only film that she had done before being in Brazil was Chud, of all things. That's, that's a carnivorous humanoid underground dweller. dweller. Yes, never saw it. Uh, I I remember the sequel being on a lot, but I always heard about Chud, and I think we always talked about when we hang out in the sewers and stuff. It was like we're going to get bitten, and turn into Chuds. What are you guys doing in the sewers? It, it was the eighties. We were kids. Okay. Okay. What are you going to do? Are you from uh, Are you from Wisconsin also? Originally? I'm from Michigan. Okay. Close enough. Right, right, right there. I I didn't hang out in sewers as a child. Oh, okay. Same. No, we have basements in Michigan, so it's it's almost the same thing. Yeah. Hanging out in the sewers underneath Meyer. And I'm claustrophobic, so it's always smart to do. Oh good. Good. Can't wait to get a Meyer. <sighs> Meyer is the best, man. They're moving in. They're supposed to build one right next to our office. You lucky son of a bitch. Wow. That was like the first thing I did when I went out to Michigan was like I got from the airport and almost to my parents' place and I'm like, there's Meyer. I'm going to fucking Meyer. Oh man, I went to H E B when I was down in Austin. Those things are so fucking awesome. What are some tits ass grocery stores by you, Ben? Besides nothing ever because you live in the big dumb city. We got Wegmans. <laughs> it, I've never heard of it, doesn't we exist. Got, we got Wegmans. Um we don't have I don't know. I, I don't even know. I was listening to Jack a couple weeks ago on one of the shows probably nineties uh percentile but where he was talking about he just orders stuff to his house like he doesn't he's not going to go out and shop for stuff it's just like it's got to be delivered to his place essentially yeah. and that just sounds like just that's mortifying to me um yeah i, I mean, go grocery we, we shopping use, like four times a week uh, i mean we use services like peapod and fresh direct which is nice i don't we don't have that shit here i have huh. to physically go into a store and talk to people that i don't want to talk to yeah we don't i mean we don't do it all the time they also have services like that for a wholesaler, so if you you can, you know, we don't have a car, um, so going to BJ's to get toilet paper is like a whole fucking production. So we can just have that delivered, which is which is nice. Does, does you should have a cooking. This this would be good on your cooking podcast. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So my, my wife works for Kimberly Clark, which makes toilet oh. paper. I'm sure if you go into any bathroom anywhere near you, 
and look at the towel, paper towel dispenser. I'm familiar. I'm familiar. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know what buying toilet paper is. So I mean, good. we should we should just advertise on your wife's toilet paper that they sell. It's like when you're taking a she shit. Does, listen to the podcast of terror. She do, no, she did invent uh, the insides to good nights. So if you go to Walmart and see good nights on the shelf with the creepy little kid, and my wife made the stuff that soaks up poop and pee. Nice. nice. <laughs> That's important. It really is. And the the day she came home with a bunch of it in her hair, I fucking laughed because it like it was a humid day, so it puffed up. So she's just walking around with like big chunks of white shit in her hair. I laugh. Your wife is an inventor for Kimberly Clark, is that? She's a scientist is her role. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> I know. I know. Ooh. I'm an inventor for toilet paper. When she got in when she got hired, I just walk up to her and go, Thank you very much, scientist. She didn't get it. She's not a big uh, half baked fan. Do you uh, you work in brewing? Is that is I, that it? I work in IT. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you. I mean, your passion is to is is, is being I, drunk. I assume. Yeah, I mean, his passion is to be drunk in front of a computer, so it works out perfectly working yes, IT. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You'd be surprised the amount of people that drink a lot in IT because it's. No, you wouldn't. Some days are better than others. Absolutely, nobody would. If you've ever uh, had to call tech support, you know those people are uh, fucking lit yeah. all the goddamn time. I do homebrew beer i just haven't in a really long time and now with us yeah. moving i probably won't until we move but such is life still waiting for jack to come over and mow my lawn oh is that what he does no he That's... always complains about how he misses grass and i'm like well come on over and mow my lawn and now we're moving to a far bigger yard so i'll have more lawn for him to mow nice nice that will be good for him that will be that will be real good for him. But, uh, he ever leaves the city? Um, no, that, no, he's actually never left the city. I know that's me. what I think is insane. No, yeah. Let's see. I got any more notes. Uh, I'm 100 percent out of things to talk about in this movie because I just scratched my head the entire time to retain oh, my knowledge. Oh man, eh, it's fine. It's not that good. I, like I mean, he's got the interactions with the little street urchins who burn his car yeah. a bit. Well, all the all the kids in the movie are have like really weird dystopian things to say. Just There's straight out of Artful Dodger and Oliver and shit, yeah. and just like, hey, he, shakes, he shakes the box of matches. Like, let's go burn down the guy's car. Um, and then there's that bit where uh, um, where uh, Michael Palin's daughter is in his office, and he and he he tells him to change into the other gray suit. You'll never get anywhere in that suit. And he goes, all right, well, I gotta go. And he leaves him with the kid. And the little girl says something obscene to him in like a adorable like three year old voice. And and the little girl who's one of triplets and he can never get her name right. The yeah. dad can't get her name right over and over again. And, and like, she you keeps know, correcting him and he doesn't give a shit. Well, there's that theme of the movie. If you just play by the rules of the game, you'd get a lot farther ahead. And Michael um, Palin is is great as this character because he's he's so normal. And he's yeah. so like on the up and up about everything, but he is a fucking a torturer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he tortures. Yeah. And well, it's not my fault that he died because there was nothing to report with the wrong name about him having a heart condition. Yeah. So whatever, you know, it just fucking ideal. And and Palin is always struck me because I always think of him first and foremost from A Fish Called Wanda. It's just like this sweet, innocent That's my little first guy. Movie, movie in the theater. Oh man, weird, right? What a disappointment that that's the Jamie Lee Curtis movie you see. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, there's that part where Mr. Helpman gets at the at the party where Helpman gets Palin's wife's name wrong, 
and Palin continues to call to her call by her. that name. Yes. It's a perfectly good name. I mean, that's what he wants to call her. That's what we should call her. And he, he doesn't give a shit about her feelings. It's like, oh, yeah, she had work done. She doesn't like when I talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's, very, he's very good in this movie. And when he, you know, in that scene, we talked about the baby mask where he's at this set of tools and his hands are, are shaking as he grips them because, like, he's, you know, he's wrestling with, like, he does feel, but it's like, this, these are the rules of the game. I'm here to do my job. And what do you say? He, he just says, he goes, professional relationship. <laughs> and then he gets, he gets shot in the head. And his death is actually pretty, like, for a guy who just gets shot in the head, he, he does a lot of staggering around. Like, he can't believe what's just happening before he, before he bites it. Yeah. And Jonathan Price, I, I know we've talked about him a little bit, but Jonathan Price is just amazing in everything. Yeah. Uh, I was so excited when I saw him show up on Game, Game of Thrones. Thrones. Yeah. Because <laughs> he just, he brings a wonderful gravitas to everything he does. He, he's just, I've seen him do live theater stuff, not in person, but uh, things that they've recorded and stuff on TV. I just, I have nothing but great things to say about him when he wound up in the pirates of the caribbean movies and everything it's just like he's oh, so really? fucking good yeah, apparently up. the next movie he's gonna do is uh terry gillam's doing the man who killed don quixote and he's yeah. playing don quixote in that and that's oh, gonna be shit. 2018 oh so so are they shooting like what like that movie there's a documentary about the failed attempt right they they, they tried they got like six weeks into shooting and then, like, natural disasters and uh, uh, executive bullshit went down. And it, became... it says that it's filming and it's got a release date of 2018. Uh, and Adam Driver's in it. Oh, shit. Uh, Olga Kurilenko, Kurilenko from, uh, she was in one of the Bond films. I think the, the second one with Daniel Craig, Quantum of Solace. Stellan Skarsgård. Uh, yeah, didn't Gillum also do the movie where Heath Ledger died during the yeah. filming and had to get a bunch of people to come in and yeah, play the, his character? The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. Parnassus. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that in the theater. Like, super jazz. I, this probably came out like 10 years ago. And so I'm like, fuck, I love 12 Monkeys, Brazil. Let's do this, Terry Gilliam. And um, I saw it once in the theater. And like, just like my enthusiasm, just like, nah. <laughs> like, like not, I, I don't know. Like it just, you know, I, who knows what that movie would have been if it didn't have that meta uh, production wrinkle, you know? Yeah. Um, how do you recover from something like that? I mean, that that's a pretty tough thing. It, it's bad enough just having the, the scenes you have to kind of edit digitally when in the dark night. Yeah. Uh, or when Brandon Lee died during the Crow filming, those kinds of things. But this is this is something else where it changes the effective tone of the yeah. entire movie. I mean, the movies it's like a lost cause because of what happened. Um, and then there's the other one where uh, it's like Weekend at Bernie's with um, oh Jesus, what's his name? Who who plays the dude? What the fuck is his name? Um, who plays Bernie? No, um, who, who plays Lebowski? Jeff Bridges. Oh, yeah. Jeff, Jeff Bridges does like a weekend at Bernie's thing, and his daughter goes insane and talks to doll heads for 90 minutes. Uh, Tideland, I think it's called. Oi. Oi is right. Not a good <laughs> flick. Like not, like, not a fucking, like, Terry Gilliam movie that you want to, you know, that you want to play with. It's just, like, it's just weird and creepy and 
and dark. And then his his early movie um, I, is called Jabberwocky, and I think it's sort of a, a horror. Um, I think it's a horror. Uh, is it actually uh, based off of the? Yeah, the yeah, it's, yeah. It's a Carol. It's like a Carol horror Holy Grail kind of thing, and I've never seen it. Um, but it's got that you know that BBC UK filmmaking shitty lighting style um, that that kind of marks a lot of shitty just like like dubious production style where the audio is a little off like you know all the Monty Python movies have have just like yeah. a little like they're not they're not quite they're still great but like they're you know it's not uh, it's not Coppola they weren't they weren't recording them for longevity and yeah. so they're like a quality <laughs> copy that was kept in the in the vault somewhere they're like the missing doctor who episodes sorry matt <laughs> uh, oh matt you might want to see Thailand cuz it's got uh, Jennifer Tilly in it i did like the fisher king though that was but i'm a, oh, i was a huge yeah, robin williams fan of course yeah what that's a great flick and jeff bridges in that one too yeah that's yeah, that's that's, uh, that's way up there that movie because it's cuz it does the same uh, uh, d- motif device as Brazil with the fantasies, um, yep. the the battle fantasies, and very Don Quixote in a way too. To- oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's crazy. Like this is this guy's story, but it's also rooted. It's not a dystopian thing. It's just like here's this awful story that happened in New York between Howard Stern and someone, some dude who went off the deep end. Um, yeah. well, great. That's a great flick. I have that on VHS. Actually, I should uh, I should give that a, a watch. A spin? Do you spin VHS? It's like vinyl. People are like, oh, I'm gonna give a spin. So is VHS just? I uh, that I think I think that no, you're good. You're good. I think that collect collecting VHS is my most hipster tendency. Um, or is I, it? Or I, I, is I, it? I, there's a good you chance. Laser I have, disc. I oh, there's some laser disc. I think I have space balls on VHS in my basement still. That's a good one. Yeah, I bought it on DVD because I didn't understand why I had a VCR just to watch Spaceballs. <laughs> just for that one. Yeah. I don't actually have the capacity to play DVDs right now. Um, uh, we have like 300 movies, and I couldn't tell you the last time I pulled one out to watch it. I, I would rather download a movie and stream it than um, actually put a DVD in. Yeah. I'm fucking lazy. Yeah, that's exactly it. Is it? It doesn't matter. I I borrowed the DVD, the Criterion Collection three DVD set from a friend at work who's been trying to get me to watch Brazil for a while. He's also been trying to get me to watch Blade Runner, uh, which you I never seen Blade Runner. Never seen it. I've had people put it on and try to get me to watch it, and then I just yeah. fell straight asleep. I, I think and, Blade Runner is a little problematic in that the source material that it's based on has a lot more details on what's going on in the world. Um, like what, like what the rules of the world are, mm. um, and uh, and without that context, the parts that become like most dreamlike and ethereal in Blade Runner, like put me right the fuck to sleep. But like from a you know a production and acting standpoint, it's magnificent. It's just like now, are you talking about the director's cut or are you talking about the theatrical? You know, I, I guess because at the time, it would have been the theatrical cut that I was seeing. Okay. I mean, I think that, you know, the, the, the sins of the theatrical cut are, um, you know, they're, they're, you know, like no one likes voiceover, right? Like he didn't sound like he enjoyed doing it. No, he sounds pissed. He sounds pissed. Um, but I, I have to tell you that like, given like how hefty the rest of the movie is on a, on an aesthetic, um, 
and just like experience point of view. I don't know that the that the differences between those two cuts are is it, it it's that great? Yeah, sure. It's like is Deckard a is Deckard a replicant is a is a huge question. But like, you know, there's so much going on in that movie, and it's I think it's only like a five minute difference. Like if if that, it's not a it's not a huge difference for a movie that's got so much going on in it. Yeah. And while I've never seen it, I've listened the fuck out of the soundtrack for it. The Vangelist. Oh, yeah, yeah. Stuff. I I had that CD for a long time, and I used to listen to it a lot. But no interest in the movie for some reason. Hmm. Well, there's a there's a sequel coming out. Um, yeah. Uh, soon, I think. Maybe in the next year. Maybe yeah, with Ryan Gosling. Yeah, yeah, Baby Goose. And, um, and then that dude, the guy who directed that, did Arrival. And he's going to do the new Dune, which could be oh. could go either way. <laughs> <laughs> Dune only ever seems to go one way. Yeah, right. That's straight up a sandworm's ass. Uh, I, lo- I love Dune. I, I, I'm, uh, you know, I have friends who apologize for the Star Wars prequels, and I'm ready to do that for Dune. Um, I think it's, I think it's fantastic, and you know, and challenging, and for a book that's like, it's like, yeah, it's like Star Wars, but it's about like more like economics and uh, ecology. And, and bureaucracy uh, like the you know the, the politics in Star Wars is very very simple um, and very you know it's like there's no nuance in it and that's like the whole thing uh, in Dune it's it's like very uh, very shaded and uh, a lot of subtlety in there I just don't know that I can accept a non-Lynchian Doom, Dune it's like that that to me was what Dune was I hadn't read the books yeah, I never read any of the stories or anything and and the whole thing is I'm watching that and the everything about it from Sting being in there mm-hmm. and the floating fat man and all that stuff. That was what I liked out of Dune, which is I know in no way, shape, or form relative to the the stories or right. the, the of what the characters are and everything. But well, got the look like, that was my entry point. Costumes look fantastic. Yeah, oh, it, oh, it is. I'm not. I'm actually not a big uh, David Lynch fan. Um, Outside of that picture, to be honest with you, which is probably a one of the biggest minority positions I can imagine. I'm, um, I'm easily a, a Twin Peaks fan, yeah. first and foremost, and everything else Lynch is kind of yes and no. Like the same thing we were talking about the the exploitive stuff with um, with Grindhouse. Like Blue Velvet is a very hard watch for me. But that's probably my that one and the Elephant Man are probably my two favorites outside of. Uh, yeah, the I Elephant Man is really great. Yeah, Absolutely. but you know, I, I, my, my impressions of of the Lynch work that doesn't work for me is that it's it's kind of uh, like Emperor's New Clothes, where mm-hmm. um, it's very. I, I think it's very easy for people to to glom onto David Lynch and, and and Lynch fandom to be like, I'm a fucking art sophisticate, and if you don't get it, you're a dumbass. Um, and then like they'll try to explain it to me, and like the like the further they take me down that path, the like not only the less do I understand, but like the less interest I have in it. No, I, um, I completely agree. And that's the thing is I don't I don't enjoy Lynch or even the, the Twin Peaks of I love Twin Peaks because of the mythology. I love it because okay. of all the backstory I've explored it because I've read the books and stuff. But there's I books, there's Twin Peaks books. Oh yeah. There was uh oh, there was the Secret Files of Agent Dale Cooper, My Life, My Tapes. Oh, oh which cool. I, I read them both in the summer between the seasons, between season one ending and season two starting. Oh, there was okay. also the Secret Diary of Laura Palmer. Uh so I read those oh. books like multiple times, but especially the Dale Cooper stuff. 
and I love the characters. And a lot of that is probably because of, of Mark Frost as much as, as David Lynch. But Lynch's sister or wife or somebody wrote the Laura Palmer book and someone related to Mark Frost wrote the Dale Cooper book. Hmm. And they're just they're so great because it's the ends of these characters and stuff you can't get from the TV series, yeah. but they're not super deep. There's not a, a lot of like, this is the greatest book ever written. They're just like pop culturally in my brain at the same time as I was watching the show. Yeah. It was a further exploration of these characters that I was already kind of addicted to and a story that I was addicted to. I love. Now, now I want to go back and try Twin Peaks. Yeah, but I don't love Twin Peaks because of the artistry of it. And I don't love Lynch okay. because of his director artistry or his aesthetic or anything else like that. I think he's cool and I think he tells a weird story. But that one in particular is what grabs me because there's so much there. And I watch other stuff that he's done. Um, what was the one with Naomi Watts? Um, which everybody goes on. It's it's not. It's kind of akin to Blue Velvet, but Mulholland Drive. Yes. I don't love Mulholland Drive. And I know that a lot of people really do. And I know that there's a lot probably deeper that I could probably get into. And I know it even has ties to Twin Peaks. So I kind of want to rewatch it with a connection to that. Because it's the um, world building that sounds like you're connecting to. Yes, uh, that's exactly most. it. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and I, I agree with comics on my life. Yeah, yeah. And that's, and, you know, I think that, um, what, the, what you were describing um, as like the, the extra bonus content. Um, sounds to me, uh, it's very similar to like that, that argument that people make about Watchmen, where it's unfilmable because what are you, like, you going to do? Like, stop the movie and then present four pages of like of prose like crawling up the screen? Right. Are you going to have the pirate stuff? Yeah. Are you going to have the kid reading the, the book at the same time? Yeah, yeah. How does all that stuff kind of come into play? And, and just the, the way that it shot has to be reflective of the book of you have to open with a scene and end with a scene that match each other and kind of go backwards and forwards through that. But you're never going to be able to appreciate it watching it in the same way that you could reading it because you can go back and forth on those pages very easily. That yeah. with DVDs you probably could easier, but it's still not the same thing. And, and why do we hands. keep trying to yeah, reproduce this when it was already this. perfect in what it was? Yeah, I heard. Um, I hear that the next uh, layer of strip mining Watchmen, besides folding them into the DCU, which is currently happening, mm -hmm. is that they're going to do a, an animated adaptation, an um, R-rated animated version of. Yeah. Because yeah, because we need to see this again. I just like I'm not even a, a huge Alan Moore fan, but it oh, just right. seems like you've got the perfect package between mm -hmm. Moore and Gibbons doing that work. I, I never have a problem with Gibbons getting another check yeah, based of off of his work yeah. on that. I, 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 I have a problem with DC bleeding it fucking dry. But there's there's been some cool stuff with the they did the action figures a few years ago that which looked great and I could see wanting that on your shelf if you're a big fan. Even not as a big fan, the, the figures look fantastic. Yeah. But before Watchmen, even though there were some good stories in that, there were some great storytellers yeah. that did it. Totally it was unnecessary. Yeah. It, it didn't add anything. It just was... And no one really had anything good to say about it, which is very right. embarrassing for them, unfortunately. With the quality of people that they had doing it, it's it's surprising. But I think that it, some people left the company because of that. Some people gave up their careers at DC because they didn't agree with DC doing that mm -hmm. with Moore's work because there's been an argument for years that Moore has earned the rights back. It, it should have earned the rights back, but DC just keeps it in perpetuitum to keep him from getting it to happen. And yeah. whether that's true or not, that's that's inside baseball that as a fan, I don't have access to be privy to that knowledge per se. 
he but probably should like have negotiated a better contract. I mean, yeah, well, like, like he probably he could have he could have known like that this was gonna be his swan song uh, over there. He he could have known. Yeah, could have would have should have. I don't, I'm a huge Alan Moore fan. I'm actually I have 80 pages left in Jerusalem right now, um, and I've been reading it since November. And it's uh, I don't know, like if it wasn't written by Alan Moore, I probably wouldn't I wouldn't have read it. Like I'm not gonna read a 1300 page book. Uh, if it's not written by one of my favorite authors. I have the hardcover of Lost Girls, and I haven't worked up to being able to read it because I have a problem with, with rape scenes in general. Well, that's, uh, that's Alan Moore for you. Yeah, that is Alan Moore to a T for me, is that yeah. it's like, wow, here's here's some rape. Have fun. Yeah, I read about 60 pages of Lost Girls, and um, I like Alan Moore. Um, and I, I think he uses, uh, you know, like, trigger... trigger uh, 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 factor aside you know i think that he uses that stuff um to to a, a literary effect um it's yeah it's certainly better it, than mark miller doing it yeah oh yeah yeah it's as opposed to pure shock value like this drives the story um it's not what i do as a creator or or a writer um but uh you know i just i i just his uh his, his hp lovecraft book just wrapped up uh providence and um wrapped up two weeks ago and the, the book that comes before that is called Neonomicon. And that book got some, some pretty big uh, flack for just having like straight up like Lovecraftian monster rape in the third act. Yeah. And, and I, like I said, one of my favorite books uh, growing up was Great and Secret Show. And there's certainly right. there is some of that in, in the second uh, story part of that. And, and it's one of those things that I don't think it was very descriptive. I don't remember being as much. So maybe that helped me eke past it a little bit, but it certainly causes damage to the characters in much the same way. Yeah, and it's it's one of those but things. But it's, it's ghost rape, so it's yeah, it's, it's you know, which is akin to Dan Aykroyd and Ghostbusters. Right, um, Matt, how you doing? You doing, uh, you doing okay? <laughs> a lot of internet to be read over here. I'm Sorry about this, man. <laughs> oh, it's fine. I'm used to you it. Told us we talk about comics. Huh? Um, yeah, but so that's that's just it. So I, in the same idea. Watching Brazil, which is my, this is sort of my first time seeing it. I've seen parts of it uh, back and forth because my wife enjoys the movie. I like it more knowing that it ties into Munchausen and Time Bandits. And I kind of want to see them consecutively to get a little bit more insight in that. Even though they're not really connected stories, but just the idea that they are connected ideas is kind of cool to me. Absolutely, yeah. Having that codex of understanding and and um, uh, knowing that there's a master plan um, and that you have to work with this stuff that that it's supposed to be challenging and entertaining and and multi layered um, and that there's a lot of it to work with I think is is better than being like well here's this movie that the studio didn't want to put out and it made nine million dollars and you know everyone thought it sucked and then it became a cult hit you know it was. Yeah. Is not is not a good epitaph for <laughs> for anything really. But if you're known for making consistently cult hit movies, mm-hmm. and that's what Gillum really is, is none of his stuff is a huge hit. But so many of them are things that people love uh, to a heavy degree. The the fans who find it that love it really really love it, you know, and can't stop talking about it. Just like the Grateful Dead. In all of his stuff, yeah. But it's like if you go to the Grateful Dead and somebody's like. I totally love this one Grateful Dead album, 
above everything else and the rest of them i kind of could give a shit about or not yeah and, and another person's like well that's not my favorite dead album my favorite dead album is this one or another person's like no i like all the dead stuff a lot i just am not totally in love with it in the same degree that you guys are yeah that's more of gillum stuff is like you may be the person who really really loves this film or you may be the person who really really loves fear and loathing in las vegas right. or the one and who I loves think that, that one the has probably the broadest uh the broadest appeal because it has a bigger place in the like in the cultural conversation yeah you know what i mean it's like a you know it's a it was a cult classic for decades before the movie came out yeah yeah so i guess at that point we can probably get to rating it oh yeah i mean do we have to (laughs) (laughs) um all right we're gonna rate this movie on our patented fap scale because you know dick jokes uh, first of all, we'll do it on uh, the feature story of the movie. Zero to five. Ben is our esteemed guest. You get to go first. Oh boy. Um, I I I uh, I like this movie, and I think that it's um, I think that it's it's a movie that everyone should see and worth watching. Um, I watched it this time in very poor quality on YouTube. In one of those things where the the video like. Like the video is like this much. Yep. Oh wow. And then this is all like cosmos swirling. It was not a good way to watch the movie, and I needed to do it in a few sittings. So I would I will give the story uh, three uh, samurai uh, ghost warriors out of five. Corey, how are you? Um, the story. I I I can't say that. It really stands out to me as something that is totally original. The whole thing of bureaucracy being out of line and and causing things. The opening of the third season of Fargo happened this week. And there's a scene that opens up the show that doesn't even yet tie into the rest of, of what's going on with the main characters from it. So I'm not sure exactly what the purpose of it was. But it is that a person's in Berlin in the 80s and they've been found, they've been mistaken for another person. Because the paperwork is wrong. But in Berlin, it's like, you don't say that the state got something wrong. We can't be wrong. So are you trying to sell us that, that you think that? Well, no, no, I'm not trying to say that at all. Well, then you're guilty and you're the person that we think you are. And you murdered this other person. uh, And you can't be married to this other woman and so on and so forth. That's not hugely original. It is an interesting story, but it is, he also says, kind of stolen from 1984. It's stolen from other places. I think the interaction of the imagination of the character is probably what's most interesting about this is how he gets lost in his own dreams. Even that's not hugely original. Uh, probably a two for me. That was a really long-winded uh, explanation. Which is perfect for Brazil. Yeah, that's very true. I'm going to give it a two. I mean, the story wasn't bad. It was just the, the visuals of the movie. It, just, it was a lot to take in at 8 a.m., on a Sunday morning before coffee after a long night of wrestling. Yeah, I, I wanted to tell you, I was almost going to warn you of like, you're going to have a hard time with this. Oh, that's fine. So it's not a, you know, so it might not be a great or totally or original story, um, but I think it's an important story. And I think that um, given the, you know, we're living in a time where, uh, a deranged game show host has become the most powerful. <laughs> <animal>. <laughs> um because the black president embarrassed him at a correspondence dinner. Oh God! Um, so, like, 
you know, it, it, it's 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 prescient and it's important. And um, as a as a film about uh, resisting the system, I think the story is. Uh, it might not be great, but is it is important. I, I agree. It's not yeah. a great movie, but I'm by no means upset that I watched it. Oh, good. Leave well, it at that. When I get your attention, I think we'll 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 get a little bit more into that too. Yeah. So, like Corey said, the next one is attention. Um, often also referred to as the rewatchability. Ben zero two five. Um, I I I'm gonna give it a I'll give it a hard five. Um, I saw stuff in, in this watching, even at shitty quality that I hadn't seen. Um, the shoe hat, the, oh, there's a part where, um, there's a part where the bomb goes off in the restaurant and the band starts playing, uh, they yeah. start playing and they play Havana Gila. Like there's just like shit. It just like keeps going and going and going. So I think it's, I think it's a hard five for me. It was like the band on the Titanic. Yeah. The, yeah. Five, uh, five, uh, computer typewriters. Uh, with bloody uh, flies in them. <laughs> oh, wow. uh, Corey, how about you? Uh, I'm not going to give it a five, but I am going to give it a four. I, I think that if you go off of the idea of what attention stands for, it is a beautiful, if not like striking in the way of pretty, but it is a stunning film right. to watch. Yeah. Just the, the direction, the sets, the people, the costumes, it, the way everybody interacts in this, it is an incredible amount of a piece of work to to see and for that alone i'm i'm going to rate it at a 4 uh and it it does get some rewatchability for me too because of the fact that i like i said i want to see how it ties together this idea this premise that he had with the three films mm-hmm. um i gave it a 2 mostly because like part of me wants to watch it to try and get an idea of what's happening but part of me never ever wants to watch this again uh watch baron munchausen then because at least you'll get to see young uma thurman topless Kitties. Uh, let's uh, get to the P here real quick. Um, P is the panic, normally the scariness, but uh, for this movie, let's go based mostly on effects um, since there was quite a bit of effects happening. So, Ben? Um, it's it's uh, it's hard to say. You know, the baby mask is pretty scary to me. Yeah. Actually, um, it, I'll give you that. The, the baby mask is scary. Um, the, the thought of a... a of a bureaucracy that out of control is scary. I think that a lot of the the panic is is happening within the satire, um, and so it's it's a different kind of horror. Um, but I, you know, I think I can. I, I I'll give it a, a, a solid three. Three uh, three uh, 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 Oliver and Company street urchins. <laughs> Corey, how about you? That would have been. That's the one thing this film is missing: is singing pets, just <laughs> doing Billy Joel songs. Right, yeah. um, no, I'm, I'm, I agree. I, I'm going to give pet. it. There's a, there's a pug with uh, his asshole taped off in an X. So he can't shit. <laughs> Sorry. Oh god. That's fine. Uh, I'm. I'm also going to give it a three. I, I think that there are some things that are very scary, and and you're right. The real world connection of of our times right now of the bureaucracy and someone creating their own definition of truth and having the power to kind of put that on you and say, no, you have to agree with me. You have to adhere to what we tell you is right and wrong. Um, That is terrifying in its own light. So yeah, definitely a three on that. Uh, I I actually started at a zero and then listening to you guys talk, I bumped it up to a, a two 
All right. Because the baby mask and the actual, I, I wasn't thinking about the story and, you know, the, the bureaucracy and all that stuff. So uh, that happens quite often where I am very narrow-minded and then Corey shows me the light by spreading <laughs> his butt cheeks apart. That, that's not exactly light in there. I don't know what you think is inside me. Am I... Am I E.T. in this situation? <laughs> I need to put a headlamp on, but I get to see what I want to see. Now Neil Diamond can sing Turn On Your Butt Light. You could, God, uh, so, real quick, I was about to start the intro. There's a light. No, no, the, the, the dead sing that song, actually. Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a light you can purchase that is just literally butt cheeks, and you turn it on by slapping the butt. It is $200. I am very certain I will buy one when I'm drunk. Well, I hope it's... I hope right. it's Frank and Furter from Rocky Horror Picture Show. And then it, when you slap it, it also sing, there's a light. Oh, Jesus. Hi, you can contact us by leaving us a voicemail at 805-328-3966. You can email us at podagncast.com, like Mike. Then we'll read it. Uh, you can also leave us a message on the website. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. Maybe you really want to hear more about Ben and Corey talking about comic books, and you don't want me to be here. I get it. It wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> No, I think they want you to be here. They want to hear you suck it up and, and have to fight your way through it. And that's also why you're going to guest on Who Knew and Review. Please follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Podcasts Here. Uh, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, any of your favorite podcatchers. Uh, we're also on Facebook, too, Podcast Here. I should probably add that to the thing so I fit it in there. But uh, all subscription options and links can be found at gncast.com slash subscribe. And you can find the Galactic Network on Facebook under the Galactic Network Ben, if you choose to tell people where they can find you, this is your opportunity to do so. Right now, uh, I guess uh, <laughs> I'm here. Find me, find me on Instagram at Ben Granoff. That's me. Lots of pictures and stories and puppet shit and everything. I do everything. Come, come, be uh, follower number one sixty three. There you go. You could be lucky, number 163. Uh-huh. And also, as we mentioned, your website, picturesforstories.com. That's right. And my uh, my Lovecraft comics can be read there for free. I got superhero stuff, auto bio, bunch of bullshit. You'll love it. Free. Well, maybe you should start charging. <laughs> or don't do what you want. It's your, it's come, your... to the, come to the comic shops in New York and give them the money for my books. There you go. There you go. There you go. Corey, give this man your money. I, I will do that. Uh, Corey, where can people find you? I'll probably do it too, just because we're, we're, we're tight. We're homies now. So. Hey, thanks. Uh, you can find some of the comics that I've helped make or I at least help publish and blog for at donutscomics.com. Ooh, terrific. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Matt the Lifeguard. That'll do it for another episode of the Podcast of Terror. Thanks for listening. Talk to you guys next week. Hey guys, Jack and Dan here from We Studios, where we podcast.com, podcast.com. We've got a uh, bunch of shows. We've got a podcast about 90s. We've got a podcast about The Simpsons. What we don't have is a podcast of terror. No, That's we why not. you're here listening to Podcast of Terror. But if you want the other things, go right? to wepodcast.com. You'll, you'll hear us. You'll like the sound of our voices. Well, come listen to our podcasts. Maybe you'll like the things we say when we're not on Podcast of Terror. And we're very eloquent. Yep. Next week we are joined by the uh, I think he's a creator I probably should have done more homework but, uh, Brett Zebarth um, He does this little show called Texas Tardigrades It is like these two minute YouTube shows They're fucking great I think they're hilarious Anyways, we're going to be talking about a movie called In the Mouth of Madness uh, Which I've never heard of this movie until Brett recommended it And I have heard it about 47 times in the past three days So hopefully it's good 
Oh, that's surprising that you haven't heard of that one. I know. But I'm really fucking bad at everything I do. That's got Sam Neill. Oh, it happens. Either way, we'll be back next week uh, with that one. So uh, thanks again for listening to another episode of the podcast here, and we will talk to you guys next week. Stay scary, everybody. This has been a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.